1: Hendricks and Alex Ferrario and Jeremy Rutherford of the Athletic in studio with us no BK once again. So we call the big boy. We call in JR to come in with us.
2: He already sent a
1: uh, picture in. He already in sent in from a vacation. damn picture yeah. which yeah. I called tin foil conspiracy theory. Here he sent us a picture of the beach. We all know BK doesn't like to go to the beach. Facts. Doesn't like sand. Doesn't like sun. Doesn't like salt water. So you know he's sitting by the pool in his hotel room, like at a Holiday Inn. He's next to his pool. So I think this is just a picture off of a brochure.
2: Yeah, he's in the hallway at the hotel and he says, "Hey, sir, are you going out to the pool? Could you take my phone and take a picture and bring it back?" <laughs>
1: or he's at the airport still because he got it BKO, and so he just took a picture of the the, the picture of uh, the beach in the airport at uh, Punta Cana. The
3: ad for it. There the ad.
1: Go. He's on, in front of the television. We all know he's down on the beach.
2: What's his objection to the? The pool, the ocean. The- he doesn't like salt water. He doesn't...
1: He, what What did he say? He doesn't like what's underneath you in the ocean? Yeah,
3: something like something that. Something like I can't that. remember I can't remember his exact quote, but it was one of those that I kind of rolled over laughing when he said it yeah. because I was just like, that's... that's
1: I mean, just- look, I'm not a big ocean guy either, well, but at least I'm going to go to it.
2: Yeah. Even if you don't like the ocean, though, he's sitting on a, a bunch of cash he just got from that wedding reception. I think I'd be sitting in the sand it's with true. the I saw his coming. box
1: of all of the letters... You know there's a lot of cash in there. I thought about taking that box. You get him I'm the like, butter no.
2: dish. I almost went for him.
1: The <laughs> butter dish. I'm sure he would have loved hey, that one.
3: It was on the registry. I just assumed both him and Kara wanted it really bad. We do have Jeremy Rutherford in studio with us today. Of course, blues
1: in action tonight against the Dallas Stars. Seven thirty puck drop with Curbs and Joey. I've got your first community credit union pregame starting at six thirty. And JR, we got news yesterday. Right when we off the went off the air. Uh, We found out that Blues made some roster moves. They put David Perron on LTIR, Thomas and Shen on IR, which is seven days. And I don't know when that's retroactive to. They didn't say when that was. Perron's was retroactive to the 27th. So he's able to come back on the 21st. They activated Tyler Bozak and Justin Falk off of COVID list. Right. I guess I should have led with the positive. Yeah. How do Sorry. You bring the negative up Here's even more four. positive. They brought in Alexei Toropchenko from the minors.
3: I'm with BT. That's made up.
1: That's not made up. We'll talk about him in just a bit. But Jr., what do you make of these moves? Because for me, they, everyone was saying put David Perron on LTIR because he's not going to be ready. And Doug Armstrong fought back and said, look, we're not going to do that and take the chance of him being available and then have to wait more games. But now I think you were at the point where you lost Braden Shen. You lost Jordan Cairo. You had no cap space to call anybody else up. Even if you went an emergency loan because you lost two guys, you would have only been able to bring up one. So I think you kind of had to do this move. Yeah,
2: let's talk about Perron first before we get into these other moves. That's the biggest one. But I don't think it should be news. A lot of times this is just procedural. Yeah. So when Doug Armstrong came out the other day and said, we don't want to put David Perron on LTIR because we think he's coming back soon, he could have missed at that point five or six games they didn't want to guarantee that he would miss that many that was before the jordan kairu injury that was before the second braden shin injury now that's changed things and so you go day to day if you're doug armstrong you have a couple more injuries you need to put a full lineup on the ice tonight in order to call up torp they needed to put david Braun on ltr they did he'll miss three games it doesn't mean he had a setback it doesn't mean his career is over it doesn't mean anything like that <laughs> okay. because it is retroactive so he's going to miss three more games and that might end up being good for him and his situation and in the meantime they get to put a full team on the ice well
1: think side. about it too he's able to skate he's had no opportunities to practice with this team because they basically played every other day with these three days or three games you're going to miss he's got wednesday thursday where he's able to practice with the guys before they play friday against the dallas stars and then his last game that he would be eligible to miss is that sunday one and that's a three-game road trip so You get some practices in, you go travel, and then you're eligible to come back in those final two games on the road before you head into
2: the Christmas break. Yeah, and the other thing to keep in mind here, Alex, is that you know how the Blues, when they've had an injury in a game, they have to play the next game shorthanded because they're not allowed to call anybody up for cap reasons. Right. Well, if David Perron goes in too early, let's say he goes in a couple games Mm -hmm. ago and he gets hit and he has to come out of the game. I realize that could happen in two weeks just as much as it could happen the past couple games, but that would force the Blues hand to play shorthanded the next night. Well, and correct
1: me if I'm wrong, if he gets injured in that game that he comes back, you couldn't retroactive LTIR to the 27th. You would have to retroactive to the one that he just played
2: point. It's when he plays. And so with uh, Shen and Thomas who went on IR. Yeah. Those are retroactive to the last time they played. So that would have been the situation with David Pran. If he plays, then you can't retroactive all the time that he's just missed. So they've done that. Now they're not jeopardizing, putting him on the ice. He gets hurt. Now they got to play short. It allows them to put a full team on the ice. As I said tonight in Dallas, and then he misses three games. Meantime, they get the cap space.
1: And if you are going to take another positive from this, Jordan Cairo didn't go on an injured reserve which tells me at least his isn't as severe as maybe we would have thought it was. So at least you take a positive from that one. We have no idea if he's going to be in the lineup. They skate, um, in about 20 minutes. So we'll find out once they start practicing, but, um, but with Jordan Cairo, with Braden Chen, with Robert Thomas, with David Perron. So that's the LTIR. You open up some cap space and you get guys off of COVID Tyler Bozak, Justin Falk activated. I would imagine Jordan Bennington's going to be activated later on today. Um, how do you, uh, I'm wondering how you implement these guys into your lineup because Doug Armstrong said that the fact that they're picking up points gives them the opportunity to be cautious with these players and not rush Tyler Bozak and Justin Falk back in. But with the roster moves, with the unknown of having a full roster, if Justin Falk, if I know him like I know Tory Krug, I would imagine he's going to be the one that's going to be pining for. Look, I'm ready to go back in.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be individual basis. I think it's going to be a situation. How does each guy feel? But you're right. You know, Justin Falk, he you know, reminds me of a guy like Torrey Krug. He's going to want to get back in there as quick as he can. But we have to remember, and I wrote about this the other day, is you have to treat each one of these like we don't know what happened behind the scenes. We didn't know that Torrey Krug was feeling great and could play the first game that he was eligible to play. We don't know what Jordan Bennington's felt like, you know, the past 10 days. So can he play? Uh, tonight? Can he play Friday? We don't know that, but I think once you get these guys back, you know that you're going to start to get them back in the next couple games. I I think that's a pretty safe feeling with the Bozaks, with the Justin Fox and with the Jordan Bennington's.
1: So you'll find out later on if these guys are in, and we'll uh, we'll do the lines game a little bit later on to find out what this team looks like. We haven't done that for like... No,
3: no cheating, boys. Yeah,
1: no. We haven't done that for like two weeks because, well, frankly, this team hasn't had normal lines in like two weeks Has to figure out. forwards yeah, once in the last two weeks. Haven't been able to guess and, when you have one forward on the forward the, line.
3: It's always ruined because they have to make the roster announcement because of all the guys are going on COVID, so we go, oh, well, great. Now we know what's going <laughs> to happen already.
1: So the other one that we'll talk about is Alexei Toropchenko. We mentioned this on the crossover over with Danny Mack, JR. Um, this is a 22 year old winger for the blues. He was drafted in 2017. He, he played in the KHL last year because of the uh, non AHL season because of COVID. And before we talk about what to expect from him, let's hear from Tim Taylor, the director of player development for the blues, talking about Toropchenko during preseason.
4: It, it's a, it's a type of league for a defensive player that, that can really excel and, 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 and really hone his game. And for Torpechenko, gave him another year of, of under the belt of team concept and, and understanding what it's going to take to be a pro. But at the same time, playing the KHL, um, he, he got to play a lot more minutes against a little better competition that would have been at the AHL level. So we're really excited about him. Again, he's a guy that I feel um, that's very close. I think he's going to give us games at the NHL level this year. Um, he just needs to, to uh, really get a little bit, a little bit better in his own end on the boards, uh, and really details. But he's a good hard player. He works hard, and he's a big body. Uh, he's a good skater, and uh, you know he, he actually plays a, a lot more physical than you would think
1: nine points in 22 games for the thunderbird he's tied for third in goals with five of them and that last part jared is what gets me with this alexei toropchenko we've seen the guys from springfield come up and have an impact nathan walker with the hat trick uh dakota joshua picking up multiple multiple point games but he brings a little nastiness to him and that has worked for dakota joshua Logan Brown has brought some nastiness going to the front of the net. Nathan Walker has gotten a little chippy in his game. I like the idea of bringing somebody else like this into the lineup to instill some energy.
2: Yeah, and Alex, a couple days ago, I talked to Kevin McDonald, the Blues assistant GM. He's the GM of the Springfield Thunderbirds about the call-up process. And I said, hey, look, if the Blues need to call up, you know, anybody else who's on that list? And they said, you have Hugh McGing and you have uh, Torupchenko. Couldn't be two opposite bodies. McGing, who's been one of the best players for the Thunderbirds this season. Smaller guy. What is he, 5'8"? Yeah. Playing really well this year, but Torapchenko... Six-foot-plus, big guy, plays physical. And uh, I reached out to to Ryan Smith looking for uh, any nuggets on Torpchenko this year. He said that uh, he played with Dakota uh, Joshua and Mackenzie McKeckern at the start of the season, and that line was just hitting everything. So Blues looking for a physical lineup tonight against the Dallas Stars. They opt to bring up Torpchenko instead of McGain.
1: Yeah, and we don't know what the, the rest of the roster is going to look like if she, if uh, Jordan Kyrou is available to play. But just, just to think about the fact that you would have – a fourth line of Matthew Pekka, Dakota Joshua, and Alexei toropchenko Two guys that hit everything, and another guy who was one of their points leaders in the American Hockey League. Might be something beneficial for this team against a Dallas Stars team that also likes to hit everything they have in their sight.
2: Going into the, the year, I thought that that would be a good fourth line in December for the Blues to use against a team like the Remember Dallas Remember When they won the Cup and we all said, raise your hand if you thought Jordan Bennington was
1: going to be the MVP of this team this season. That's what I feel like right now with this Blues team. Just I amazing. I told you
3: Huso's going to be the MVP this year. Well,
1: he um, he's out for at least the next week, so... <laughs> MVP on the injured list. He's Tanner Hendrickson. He's Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic. In for BK. I'm Alex Ferrario. Your time check is 1116. Brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up in 15 minutes, where would this Blues team be without Pavel Buchnevich and Brandon Saad? And are the Blues being overlooked nationally? We'll get into that in 15 minutes. But there's another team in St. Louis that's being overlooked nationally. No, I'm not talking about the Battle Hawks, although they kind of are, I guess. I'm really overlooked. I'm not getting sidetracked on that one. No, the Cardinals, uh, I don't think anybody thinks the Cardinals are going to be contenders on the national side. What? I know. We'll talk about that next year on 101 ESPN.
0: Giving you the picture, the real big St. Louis sports picture. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN.
1: With Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Alex Ferrario, Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic in for BK today. Blues in action tonight against the Dallas Stars. We'll get back to some Blues conversation coming up in our next segment. But now, are the Cardinals not being viewed nationally as contenders? We talked yesterday about Jim Bowden's article on The Athletic giving the Cardinals a C in their offseason thus far, calling them essentially average with just signing Steven Matz. And, you know, we didn't talk about this yesterday, T-Bone, but... Taken into consideration, they also re-signed Adam Wainwright, re-signed Yadier Molina.
3: TJ McFarland. TJ
1: McFarland I didn't even bring up. It's hard for me to believe that they had an average offseason.
3: They did like go of Rondon.
1: But, that's true, I guess. David Schoenfeld, who's been on our show before, he's of ESPN, he has an article out talking about the 10 biggest holes for contenders that they need to address.
3: All right, what's he got us doing? That's the thing.
1: No Cardinals on his list. What? No Cardinals on his list. What is this blasphemy? A third of the league is considered contenders for David Schoenfeld, and he does not include the Cardinals. So on the national side, you want to read between the lines? Essentially, Dave Schoenfeld is saying, well, the Cardinals aren't considered contenders. Here are some of the names that are on this list from David Schoenfeld. All right, let's
3: see if we agree with this. You have
1: the Washington Nationals. What? Hold on, do I have the right article up? I don't think I have the right article up.
3: <laughs> I was like, there's no way, right? I don't
1: have the right article up.
3: T-Bone, do you have the article up? If you give me a minute, I yeah, will. Pull yeah, the article yeah, up. For well, uh, But I know the Yankees are I was going to say, there. let's
1: take a couple of guesses on this one. The Yankees are going to be on there. The Red Sox are going to be on there. The Toronto Blue Jays are going to be on there. The be on there. Right, Dodgers. Dodgers Yankees, are going to be on there.
3: We've got the Yankees, the Braves, the Dodgers. You've also got the Blue Jays. The Tigers, after their uh, kind of splash in the offseason so far with Eduardo Rodriguez and Javier Baez. The Mariners, who have been linked to a bunch of names. Uh, Then you've got the Tampa Bay Rays as contenders. Boston Red Sox, Los Angeles Angels. Then the name, all those I can agree with being on this list as contenders. The one that I find interesting to be on here is the Philadelphia Phillies.
2: Yeah. Mariners and Tigers, though. I I know that uh, the Tigers had the the summer or the uh, offseason, but, uh, you know, in terms of being more of a contender than the Cardinals?
1: Yeah, the Tigers I'm a little surprised by. I I mean, it's not like Javier Baez set the world on fire. The
3: only reason I'm not surprised by it is because you had the Baez signing, the Eduardo Rodriguez signing, so two kind of splashes. But you got to remember, this was a team that headed it into last year, and they finished, I don't know if they were above 500, but they were close. They were ahead of schedule, and then now they've upped or kind of what would be the word? Kind of trying to move this rebuild a little quicker by signing the splashy names. Plus, remember they were linked to Carlos Correa because of the hinge connection. Yeah. Doesn't seem like that's going to happen still, but I think that's why they're in the conversation.
1: I don't know if I'm that surprised by Schoenfeld not putting the Cardinals on there. Mostly because if you look at the teams that were on there, they had some splashy off seasons or they had some really good pop to their game towards the end of the regular season, and I know the Cardinals did as well. The way I look at it, though, is the Seattle Mariners, I think, were in the same spot as the Cardinals going into this offseason. And look what Seattle has done this offseason. I mean, they've addressed their biggest needs going into the season. They signed a starting pitcher, and they got themselves an infielder. Or a bat, however you want to look at that. So to do both of those things, Seattle kind of makes sense, which goes to the Cardinals scenario on this one. If they're not viewed as contenders right now in terms of the top 10, then what needs to happen for them to move into that top 10 conversation? And
3: here's where I think the frustrating part is, too, is because I, I I read through this article, and you look at the names that are connected to all these teams, and I'm going, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. I feel like a hey, Kyle Schwarber makes sense. I feel like a hey, Trevor Story makes sense for the Cardinals. If the, his market falls down, I don't think the Cardinals are going to pay him Javi Baez money. But I think part of the reason that they're not on this on this list of these teams in this article is because maybe David Schoenfeld views them as contenders. I think they're contenders. This is supposed to be this winning window. I think more of it is because it is the sign of, okay, they're contenders, but I don't think they're going to go out there and make another move. The I think their move is probably a bullpen arm, and it's not a splashy bullpen arm move.
2: Yeah, and they may not make another move. You know, you can sit there and talk about a couple guys out there that would really help this team. But maybe they are in that 11 to 15 range, or 11 to 13, whatever, and they just don't make this type of, of list. But what about the fact that there's still growth room? For a lot of the players on this roster. And listen, I don't want anybody driving around, oh, you know, the Cardinals are fine. They're set. They don't need to do anything. Look, I deal with that on the blue side <laughs> all the time, all the time. I don't want to be that guy. But, so you're but, taking BK side on this yeah, one. But, okay, You good. know, one day we have a conversation. Where we're talking about Tyler O'Neill could be a superstar in this league. Well, let's find out. Let's see. Paul Goldschmidt really turned up last year, uh, became that player that you hope he can be. You got Dylan Carlson. He's in that rookie of the year conversation. He takes the next step. Again, this is all woulda, coulda, shoulda, but so is. So are some of these signings that happen throughout the offseason that catch everybody's attention? And oh, they got to be on the list of, you know, top contenders because they signed this guy and, and that guy. Those things have to play out as hope, too. You're talking about big players going to different organizations and, and trying to fit in. To me, that's even more difficult than some of these guys who are comfortable in their surroundings.
1: I, I do see that where, you know, you look at Tyler O'Neill and say, okay, well, he's going to be better this year and look at what he has done. That's, that's improving your team. The, the reason I. I it's not that I'm agreeing with Schoenfeld, but I'm seeing where he's coming from. Is I think you have to be great at one area. And I don't know if the Cardinals are great in one area yet. Like, if you look at some of those teams on the list, they're great in one area.
3: I, 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 I agree with you. I think what they are great at is defense, but that's not sexy.
1: No, it's not. And that's not what somebody's going to consider them as a contender. Because if your defense is great, well, your pitching has to be great. And for the Cardinals, I, we all like the Steven Matz Matt's deal. But on the national side, they look at it as saying, man, that's who you're going to go with when you had Max Scherzer sitting out there. Robbie Ray, Kevin Gossman, that's who you're going with? and That's not going to match up well. And the uncertainty of Hudson, uh, Michaelis, almost said Mikla there, hockey brain, Michaelis, Wainwright coming back, Flaherty. Like four of your five guys, you have uncertainty, so that's not a great area the bullpen you lose Luis Garcia you bring back TJ McFarland. you don't know what Reyes role is or if Hicks is going to be healthy that's not sexy that's not great to people and then on the offensive side you have the bats like JR mentioned but you don't know if Tyler O'Neal can continue this like it's the what if game on everything whereas if you look at the teams on the 10 list right now kind of makes sense
3: yeah and, and you know you mentioned the Tyler O'Neill thing Look, as much as I love Tyler O'Neill and he had an MVP caliber year, let's not forget the previous years too. I still, I still hold that in kind of the back burner of my brain. Of okay, he was very inconsistent, very much a very a strikeout heavy guy. Had his spurts where he was like three for fifty, something along those lines. So, I, I think that if you were to add that impact bat rather than kind of hoping on that, I think Dylan Carlson will continue to take those steps forward. But adding in another bat to kind of be there as kind of that soft cushion in case there is a little bit of a step back from Tyler O'Neill. I think that's where I, I kind of come from on that. And, and this text from 314 was saying, well, how can they not have an NL Central team on the list? Somebody has to make the playoffs. You to, can make the playoffs. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're a contender because I know it's a different sport, but look at the NFC East. The Washington football team last year made the playoffs. Did you look at them as a contender? Right. No. That That's how he's kind of separating this list. He views, it seems, based on everything right now. And again, I think it is mostly because he looks at the Cardinals and says, I don't see them making a big move. And he looks at the Brewers, who are up about already at their salary from last year, and says, I don't see them making a move. And then everybody else is rebuilding in the Central. I think that's why he looks at and says, these teams aren't contenders in my eyes. Yeah,
2: it's amazing to me. You know, the Cardinals do have a lot of hope for situations. Hope for this guy. Hope for this area mm-hmm. of the team to play well. But, you know, two cliches that we often refer to in sports is uh, defense wins championships. And defense isn't sexy enough to attract everybody's attention, yeah. basically, and those two things, you know, yeah. don't go hand in hand. I, I love
1: it. how that works too, because in the preseason when people put their rankings together, they're like, Oh, well, the defense isn't the main thing that's gonna get you wins and put you in the playoffs. But once you get to the playoffs, it's ah oh, defense wins championships. It's always the it's always the uh Jekyll and Hyde in the regular season to postseason when you look at things like that. Maybe but they just need more gold go- glovers. Well, that's true. If you had nine you know gold, gold glovers
3: before? who Carlos Correa
1: that's true did did JR just tinfoil Ferrario Carlos Correa coming to St. Louis
3: I hope not because S- it's not gonna happen
1: someone said yesterday that Jim Bowden gave the grade C because C for Carlos Correa
3: I well they didn't hear my tinfoil from off air but what Tyler O'Neill got married in Hawaii yesterday congrats to the O'Neills by the way <laughs> you know who else got married in Hawaii this weekend JR who's that Aaron Judge wow. you know he's a free agent next year Aaron
1: Okay, that's that's a reach. He's Tanner Hendrickson. Oh, that one's a reach. You should have kept that one off air. Yeah, you should have just saved that for the uh, breaks. Jeremy Rutherford in for Damn. BK. Coming up in 15 minutes, we got questions and answers. Send your text and questions to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. But coming up next, where would this team be without Pavel Buchnevich and Brandon Saad? We'll get to that next here on 101 ESPN.
0: We'll right back to more of it. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield studio on 101 ESPN. With
1: Tanner Hendrickson and I'm Alex Ferrario, Jeremy Rutherford of the Athletic Blues Insider in studio with us today for BK. You heard T Bone's Sports Center update. Sounds like you'll get Bozak and Falk back on the ice, hopefully, tonight. No Scott Perunovich, which is interesting, especially after that game. He finished that game. He was the one that turned the puck over uh, and then resulted in the penalty shot. So maybe this is more so looking at it as, hey, give Perunovich an opportunity to watch because he's played every single game since he's...
0: Place him up. It's time to guess the lines with BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN.
1: All right, Jr. This is this is the most anticipated segment on BK and Ferrario. Guess <laughs> the lines, you, you, You've heard the lineup game, right? yeah. This is even better. Yeah. Because we lot. have we have hockey lines. This is a lot
2: of fun. The only thing, my question is, <laughs> can you give us a hint? Like, are there 13 guys in the lineup? 18 guys in the lineup? That's what I'm wondering. Can Looks you like give, a full lineup. Full oh,
3: lineup.
1: Okay, so full lineup. You know, Braden Shen's not going to be available, nor Robert Thomas. Nor David Perron. Those guys are on injured lists. And we're not
2: sure about Kairou, but my guess would be no.
1: My guess you're not going to see Kairou out there. All right, let's okay, do this. Okay, so we're going
2: to do this. So, JR,
1: we're just going to go line by line, forward defenseman, goaltender, and then T-Bone's going to give us the ding, or he's going to give us the buzzer. Ready?
2: All right, I think, we, I think we start the top line. Yeah. I think that line stays the same. I think it's going to be the same, and, you know... Logan Brown has looked good, uh-huh. and he played on that top line the other night with Saad and O'Reilly. I know that Craig Bruby likes to balance things out, so you might say, hey, we need to throw a Tarasenko up there, uh, but I think that Craig Bruby's is going to keep Logan Brown up there. So, Alex, I'm going to go Sad O'Reilly, Brown. That's where I'm going
1: as well. Show us the uh, ding, T-Bone. Uh, All right. yeah, Look at JR just coming in 100%. Okay. All right, your turn. The Russian line, the Bucheng uh, Shilk. uh, See, I I just messed it up. The Buchankchev line. It wasn't very good anyway. No, it was rarely. Very good. The Russian line's not going anywhere. Barbashev, Buchnevich, Tarasenko. That has been one of their best lines all season. I'll sign off on that. Yeah, that's not going anywhere. Show me Buchankchev. Curves wanted to go with the VIP line. (laughs) Come
2: on. You know, it's a bad nickname when you can't even say it. That's true.
1: (laughs) That's true. But you know what? Maybe
2: I'm missing 17th and I can say it. Let's look at this third line. Uh, I this think is where that, it gets interesting. Well, first of all, the team MVP, Nathan Walker. Amen. Amen. <laughs>
1: Getting there. So that but, line Sunday was so that's Shen, Walker, Sunquist, Shen, and Walker.
2: Sunquist, uh, okay. and they're without Braden Shen, mm-hmm. who's on IR. But Tyler Bozak's coming back. So where? do you play Tyler
1: Bozak there, or do you put Dakota Joshua there?
2: That's a good question. You know, with or Matthew Pekka. Matthew Pekka is a centerman. And yeah. you got two big bodies that are already on that line. But I think the Blues would stick with the guy who's had more experience and on similar this team to Braden's style. Yeah, I mean, Peck is in the lineup, but um, I would think he'd be on that fourth line. So it is a good question, though. Do you put Joshua up on that third line or Tyler Bozak? Bozak just coming back from COVID. I'm gonna go with Bozak. Just the, the trust factor is there, I think, with him.
1: I think I'll do that as well. And I'm more so looking at that fourth line which we'll get to in a minute, but I think it makes more sense to to triple up with Springfield guys. So yeah, I think Bozak Walker and Sunquist on that third line. Oh my All right, God, three JR, for three. look at this. So now this is just smooth sailing for the forwards. I think you got Torpchenko, Joshua and Pekka, right? Yeah. Unless Kairu, but you said Kai Ky- or did we not confirm?
3: Kairu not on the ice. Okay. Not so Kairu's not on the
1: ice. All right. So I think it has to be that unless, and you said full roster.
2: So what do you think here? I think I'm going to go Torupchenko. You're going him on the left. I think I'd put him on the left. Pekka or Joshua on the right and Pekka in the middle. Yeah, let's go Joshua in the middle. Let's go Pekka on the right. Like I said, the experience, a trust factor with Joshua up the middle. So Torupchenko, do we hear Torupchenko on the left, Joshua in the middle, and Pekka on the right? T-Bone?
0: Oh, Whoa!
1: Look at this! That's 100% that. for JR and Ferrari. Okay, now we get to the D. This will be good, and Pareko. Thank you, my uh, my and Pareko. I, I don't see that going anywhere, right, nope. Jr. So, and then if Perunovic isn't out there, that means Falk's coming back. So Falk would be with
2: Krug, and then you'd have you'd wrap up with uh, Scandella on the left and Bortuzzo on the right. Wow.
1: He got three it. lefties and three righties. How about that? When was the last time we've been able to say that for this team? What about the goaltender? Yeah, this do we is know be... the goalie
3: yet? Uh, it's got to be. Not seen the goalie. It's
1: got to be Charlie Lindgren. But
3: I think Andy Strickland said earlier it is Charlie Lindgren. It's got to yeah. be Lindgren.
1: Gilly's played great, but Lindgren has been. I don't like to use the word unbelievable, but he's been unbelievable. Yeah, no, <laughs> you got to
2: believe it's uh, it's Charlie. Uh, but Bennington uh, should be ready to come off that. Uh... COVID list, which I think is Are the big question Are you surprised we here. haven't seen that announcement yet? No, like, I mean... Part of me wondered if something else was wrong, but Again, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. We have to look at these on an individual basis yeah. and what's he dealing with. I think when uh, Doug Armstrong spoke last week, you know, he said most of the symptoms have been mild for a lot of these guys, uh, and he was hearing good reports on, on the guys who were coming back, but we just don't know with Bennington. And, and the other thing is, you know, with a goaltender, does it take them a little bit longer to get back into the swing of yeah, things? Yeah, remember
1: Huso was the one that said he was fatigued after that first game back.
2: Yeah, but he played so well. Mm-hmm. And, and so what will happen with Bennington? I kind of thought when Doug Armstrong said last week we'd either see Bennington Tuesday or Friday, would likely... Uh, i be on Friday. So it gives them uh, opportunities. Yeah. yeah. But Alex, how about this with Lindgren and, uh, and uh, Gillis, the way they've played?
1: Uh, it's, it's so we talked about this on post game. You've used five goaltenders this season and four of the five got a win. Gillies missed out on that overtime penalty shot. Um, you go back to the 15-16 season, I believe, right? That was when they used five goaltenders. But Curbs and I talked on postgame. They used seven goalies in the 2002-2003 season, and every one of those guys picked up a victory. So like to have that and then have what has happened in this one where every guy has given you a chance to win, if not won a game, even the loss for Joel Hofer that he took was a close game. Yeah, John Gillies, a
2: close game. Kept him in a lot of games there. Hey, let's touch on uh, Bucinevich and Saad real quick, what they've meant for yeah. this team. You know, I really thought going into this uh, off season, what's going to happen? Is Schwartz coming back? Are they going to go out and get a guy... You know, like a Assad, uh, I think that what happened, what developed for the Blues is they were able to add two pieces that really fit this team well. It's easy to say now hindsight's twenty twenty, but Assad going to the net, that net front presence, Butchnevich, a little bit of that nastiness, maybe hasn't been as consistent, and it took them a little while to come on after the headbutt, but I think both have been terrific.
1: They have been, and frankly, you've you've added scoring to your left side that you haven't had. I mean, Perron likes to play on the right side. Kairou's a right winger. Vladimir Tarasenko's a right winger. You were way too heavy on the right side and way too short on the left side. Zach Sanford played there last year for you. Um... Sammy Blay played there last year for you. I mean, you were going through guys left and right to try and find somebody to play. You were forcing Mike Hoffman to play on the left side because you needed somebody to play there. That was the biggest thing for me to get two guys who could play on the left side, were comfortable on the left side and actually perform on the left side. The Brandon Saad one, I think, is going to be viewed as it was a good signing by Doug Armstrong. It's the Pavel Buchnevich one that everyone's going to be talking about because it was a highway robbery, once again, by him to get him for Sammy Blay in a second-round draft pick.
2: Yeah, and just to elaborate on the versatility that you're talking about, a lot of times you sign... You know, free agents in the offseason or make a trade. Hey, this guy plays the top line right side. That's yep. it. That's what he does. You know, we've already seen it with Buchnevich and Saad. Not only do they play the left side like like you're talking about, or at least they can, they're up and down the lineup, Alex. I mean, you can tell Brandon Saad he's going to play on the top line or the third line, and it doesn't matter. He's going to mm-hmm. give you the same effort. Same with buchnevich They've moved him back and forth and played him with different guys, and he's looked really good with yeah, each You
1: have, what is it now, 11 goals for Brandon Saad this season and Both 11 other. goals Lead the for team. Pavel buchnevich And Doug Armstrong told us Friday, you started this season with Alpha Dogs being O'Reilly and Perron and Shen and Tarasenko, and you've switched it to Pavel Buchnevich, Brandon Saad, Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, which is a pretty good thing to have when you have three, two of those four guys under the age of 25, and then the other two are under the age of 30. So. I'll put,
2: I put you on the spot right now. Anybody would take Landis Skog on their team. That was a lot of the talk yep. in the offseason. Knowing what we know now with the way that Buchnevich and Saad plays, we're talking two players instead of one, and you know what the Blues have needed this year. You know They need the depth. Bucinovic inside or Landeskog? Oh, I'd go Bucinovic inside.
1: Yeah. I mean, Landeskog provides—he provides that physical play that I think everyone loves. But I, I would be concerned that Landeskog isn't Landeskog without McKinnon and Rantanen. That was my biggest concern with spending $8 million on him. Whereas we've seen Brandon Saad perform in Chicago, Columbus, where he wasn't at his best, and then once again in Colorado on that third line that you were talking about. He wasn't performing with Rantanen and Landeskog. He was performing – by himself on the second power play unit with Don Skoy and with uh, Nazem Kadri and things like that and Pavel Buchnevich I, I didn't know what to expect I, I thought you could get to 20 goals but both of those guys have shown the pace to be 25-30 goals and course. you
2: get these two guys for about nine nine and a half
1: that's huge in this one both costing the price of Gabriel Landeskog so again the lines for tonight according to Jim Thomas Brandon Saad with O'Reilly and Logan Brown Pavel Buchnevich with Barbashev and Tarasenko Nathan Walker with Bozak and Sunquist. looks like Bozak is back in the lineup, and then the newly uh, brought up forward from the AHL Alexei Toropchenko with Dakota Joshua and Matthew Pekka. It's Mikola Pareko Krug-Falk back in the lineup, Scandella Bortuzzo, no Scott Perunovic. We'll wait to hear what Craig Berube has to say after practice. He's Jeremy Rutherford and Alex Ferrario coming up in about 10 minutes or so. These two games, these four points, they're going to be crucial for this Blues team in the Central Division. We'll tell you why, but next, it's our Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Questions and answers here on BKM Ferrario on 101 ESPN.
0: You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe? Text now to 65780. It's BK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN.
1: Air Comfort Service text line is 65780. You send over your questions. We'll give you some answers. Tanner Hendricks and Alex Ferrario, Jeremy Rutherford in for BK Today and if you missed it in our last segment it looks like tyler bozak justin falk will be returning to the lineup tonight not confirmed yet we're waiting for craig berube to speak with the media once that's confirmed we'll keep you updated of it but it looks like they'll have a full roster for this one tonight so let's start with this one then from the 636 boys what are the realistic expectations for justin falk can he go back to being a number one number two defenseman for this blues team
2: I think so, Alex. I think that Justin Falk has uh, his start to this year has been similar to the way he played last year for this team. Look, there were some deep concerns about Justin Falk and that long, long term contract after that first year. But to me, the thing that I've learned about Justin Falk, he is such a competitor. I mean, it's night in, night out. Not a small guy, but not a big guy either, but plays big. And so, you know, there's only a handful of number one defensemen in the league. You know, what, four or five really upper echelon good yeah. ones and he might not be one of those but to me he is a really good number two yeah
1: that's kind of where i'm at with this one and i i don't know if he'll play the 24 25 minutes that we're used to seeing him log kind of like colton pareko but i mean when tory Krug came back i think he played like 19 minutes that first game back if i'm not mistaken so I wouldn't be surprised to see Justin Falk come back, especially the fact that he's playing with Tory Krug. That tells me that they're putting him right back into the spot that he was. And Doug Armstrong did say that they had light symptoms, the guys that were on the COVID protocol list. So if that's a benefit, then hopefully that will pay off for the team too.
2: Yeah. And to answer the question, you know, how much is going to play tonight? We don't know, but uh, indications, you know, if he's in the lineup, he's going to play. I don't think they're going to be holding him back at all.
1: Yeah. I like this one from the three, one, four more surprising blues, call-ups or Cardinals pitching additions this year.
3: Cardinals pitching's additions this year. So this I'm match, thinking I'm Lester. And, no, 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 oh, oh, no. This oh, past I see what year. You're saying. So Lester I'm thinking of the
1: season. So Lester, Hap, Mc, uh, McFarland, Garcia. Um, trying to think who's the other. Oh, your guy LeBlanc. Oh, he was awesome. I can't believe. It. So so yeah. Who who was who would be more impressive, T Bone? Because you were all for those additions.
3: I would actually probably say the Blues ones because they were guys that hadn't. well, At least for me, and you guys. You could probably tell me their height, weight, dog's name, all of it, all of the no, above. I can't tell you name. Who's Butch
2: Way to go. Way to go, JR.
3: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I I think it's the guys coming from the Springfield Express because those additions from the Cardinals, yeah, they were surprising because Lester and Hap had all these – had bad high ERAs coming in. Like I think Hap had the worst in American League among qualified pitchers, but they were veterans. You know, like you – you, if you put them in a good spot and maybe you tweak something a little bit, you could kind of see them getting back to form. With these guys, it's young guys making an impression. It's someone that gets called up and you're thinking, we've seen Nathan Walker a little bit. We've seen Dakota Joshua a little bit. But it's not it's not like those guys where they were like 10-year vets. These are kids that are coming up, providing a little bit of a spark, providing energy for the team, and contributing at the highest level. On guys like Toreb Chankov, who I haven't even heard of. Toreb Chankov. Until- Till I heard of him yesterday. I never so. heard of that guy
2: either. Now who's pushing <laughs> names together? <laughs> never heard of that guy either. And guys, this really speaks to the homework. I mean, with the Cardinals, you know, obviously there was a track record. Uh, Mo knew what those guys were capable of, those veterans, even if they weren't going to come in and light it up. He knew they could get some innings out of them. And, you know, give it to uh, Doug Armstrong, his staff, Kevin McDonald, uh, those guys. They went out and, and found some players in the past couple of years who could come in and step in that really doing a good job in Springfield too. Drew Bannister, the coach down there having these guys ready when they get called up.
1: Yeah, that's where I'm at as well. I'm more impressed with the guys from Springfield because they've they've kept this team in the position to pick up points in five consecutive games and they're picking up points. It's not like they're playing well, they are playing eight or nine minutes a night, but look at the impact they're having with eight or nine minutes in the night. They're getting an assist. They're picking up a hat trick. That one has been much more impressive. Eric uh, Comfort Service, text line 65780 from the 314. Guys, can Torrey Krug and Scott Perunovich both fit with this Blues team long-term? Seem to be very similar play playing types. Seems like the team needs bigger, better defensemen.
2: Alex, I think they can. And and the reason is, you know, you have a Tory Krug who plays in that second pair. And look, he and Justin Falk have long-term contracts, so they're going to be here a while. You know, Scott Prinovich, you don't want three or four of those undersized guys. You know, maybe for sure, you know, not three. But, but I think you can get by with one or two of the undersized guys. Look, I know Krug plays smaller and, uh, you know, does get uh, out-muscled here and there. Uh, But the key in this game today is moving the puck. And if you can move the puck and shoot it like Krug can and and Prinovich, you know, as he develops, can do that too. You know, I guess the question becomes, what's the ceiling for Prinovich? And if it's in the top four, you know, then where do they fit? Because you're probably not going to have one of those guys in the top pair. You know, so you don't want to be playing Perinovich in the third pair 13 minutes a night when he's capable of more. So to me, if it becomes a situation where they're both, you know, second pair of guys, you know, that's going to be difficult.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, if the ceiling is Quinn Hughes for Scott Perinovich, yeah, if the ceiling's higher, he's all on your team regardless. Yep. And Tori Krug, uh, despite him being out with COVID and then all of these issues at the beginning of the season, he looked like a guy who was going to get to the 50 point plateau again that he had with the Boston Bruins for the way that he was performing in those first five. So, I mean, think about it. Best case scenario for this team is Scott Perunovic is your third line defenseman because Nico Mikola has become a top pairing defenseman for Colton Pareko. I think those two have a spot on this team as long as Colton Pareko continues to trend in the direction of a number one defenseman because if he gets away from that then you're looking at somebody that needs to fill that void of Colton Pareko and what he was supposed to be.
2: Yeah, I mean on paper you look at a Blues top four in the future. Let's say Pernovich does take that kind of Quinn Hughes route and becomes that guy who can play with the top pair. You know, does it look great on paper to see, you know, five nine, five nine, and your top two pairs on the Left side with Prinovich and Krug, you know, maybe doesn't. But if they're playing the way that they're capable of playing, I don't think it makes that big of a difference. Yeah, I'm with you on this
1: one. He's Jeremy Rutherford and Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson. This is BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Coming up in 15 minutes, we'll do some NFL quick hitters, including what Randy Caricker is calling the St. Louis Bowl last night, and. Well, the bad guys won, unfortunately.
3: Arizona didn't win.
1: (laughs) We'll get into that in 15 minutes with some NFL quick hitters. But coming up next, you got four points on the line that are impactful in this central division. JR and I will tell you why next here on
0: 101 ESPN. They are St. Louis. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN.
1: Central division's not getting any easier for the Blues, and frankly, they've all remained fairly healthy with the exception of the Colorado Avalanche. Like, Colorado is the team that has been hit more... I don't want to say more impactful than the Blues because the Blues have had a lot of guys out that are impactful, but think about it. They've spent a majority of their season without one of their top three guys in Branton and Landeskog and McKinnon and Landeskog was just announced to be out for the next two to three weeks. I think they started the season with no Nathan McKinnon. So they're a team that is finally trending in the right direction. They've won four in a row, sitting a point behind the blues with three games in hand. You got the wild who are sitting in first place with 39 points, Nashville with 35, which frankly, JR, they are the most surprising team in my opinion, in the central division. Winnipeg with 31 points in a game in hand. And then you got tonight's opponent, the Dallas Stars. And the Blues have two against this Dallas Stars team tonight and then Friday on home ice. That's four points up for grabs. In the central division, that is going to be really tight. And before we get into why those are important, let's hear a little from Doug Armstrong, president of hockey operations. He talked with myself and Chris Kerber about one, the difficulty of the central division, and two, why it was important for the Blues to pick up points when they did.
2: Well, I, I would say that Colorado
1: is, is in my, my opinion, still the team to beat in our division. Uh, Minnesota, I thought was going to be good. I didn't think they, the ability to push push out to this big of a lead this early. So there's someone we got to put in our crosshairs, and we got to we got to find a way to catch them. Uh, So I'm impressed with our division. I think uh, Chicago got off to a very difficult start. They're playing more competitive hockey now. Uh, Nashville's a team that people didn't expect a lot from uh, i'm excited about where we're at our 5-0 and
0: start gave us a little bit of a cushion to go through some tougher times
1: i think it's huge for the blues to be the tone setters in this one tonight jr and frankly make it difficult for the dallas stars on friday because you're up seven points on them right now and they have three games in hand on you so if you go into this and you lose one or the next two you're talking about putting Dallas right back into this playoff in the thick of things, whereas if you pick up three of a possible four points and they still have three games in hand on you, you're looking pretty right now in the Central.
2: Yeah, and you use a good uh, phrase there, set the tone. That's often used uh, when you go into a back-to-back against the same team like this. And the reason I say it, though, is because of uh, the Blues shooting themselves in the foot, yeah. giving up the two short-handed goals to Rupe Hints the last time the Blues went down to Dallas and played them for the first time this year. So you want to go out and show them that you're a better team than that. We're not going to come down and make those types of mistakes and Alex uh, Doug Armstrong just touched on it there in the soundbite but the thing is if you had the Colorados and those types of teams in the top three in the central right now and then you had some of the Nashville, Minnesota, Winnipeg, whoever you know, fighting it out for the third spot in the wild card. You'd say, okay, well, you know, maybe it's it's playing out a certain way. But when you have Colorado behind you in the standings, and you know, once they get healthy and have all their guys, they're going to make it. look. They've won four in a row. Yeah, you know, without, without their guys, without their guys, so they're going to be up in that top three mix. I like Minnesota. I think uh, the Wild are going to be there all year long. Nashville's won five in a row. They've been, as we said, uh, the biggest surprise. And
1: they're a team that always seems to give the Blues fits when they play them. They like Nashville always seems to pull out victories against St. Louis. They
2: do. So let's throw Colorado in that top three mix and say they're for sure going to be there. Okay, well, who does that knock out? Does it knock out the Blues? Does it knock out uh, Nashville? The other thing is... You know Vegas. To me, they're they're a good team, even though they've gone through some some stuff this year. And I think they're going to be there towards the end. So that's going to be one less wild card spot for a Central Division team. Uh, So I think that uh, going into this series against Dallas, you you really have to come out of this uh, with a couple points at least. And if you can come out three out of four, it'd be uh, really good. But you know the Blues are putting themselves in a good position by picking up points during this stretch. Because Alex, once they get these guys back in the lineup, they're going to be close to that team yeah. that I think everybody expected. Well, that's the
1: part for me. I think the, the the Blues deserve a lot more credit, and we should be talking more about what they've been able to accomplish. Like I mentioned in the last segment, you picked up five point, or points in five straight games, going all the way back to that road loss against the Florida Panthers. And prior to that regulation loss to Tampa, you picked up points in the other two games. So You've been picking up points on a consistent basis that goes all the way back to the Chicago Blackhawks game where you lost in overtime, but you also lost that game with a full roster. And then from there, it started to trickle down. The reason that these are so impactful is one, you're starting to get back healthy and Dallas is going on the other way. They, They don't have Rope Hintz, Radulov or Kiriranta tonight for the stars. And those are some players that seem to cause the blues fits when they match up against them. If you look at it in the sense of you've got three games in hand and you can pick up two points, and I understand it's so early in the season to be concerned about this, but. The Central Division legitimately is a team that can have five playoff contenders in the Western Conference this year.
2: Yeah, it, and, and it, it is too early, but it's not too early. It really isn't because if you look, if the Blues would have sunk during this last stretch without those guys, we wouldn't even be talking about the Blues being in that mix in the top three right now. And Alex, to put it in perspective, you just went back to that Chicago game. The Blues are 5-1-3 and three. In their last nine games and that's playing without a majority of their roster five one and three I went back and looked it up Alex five one and three in that stretch that's uh, thirteen points that's the fourth most it's tied for the fourth most in the league in that stretch wow. so you were without half of your roster basically what now it's up to about twelve guys yeah and you got thirteen points out of those games fourth most in the NHL
1: yeah and that's that's where it's so impactful with this you know the one that I'm going to be really intrigued by in the Central Division, Jr. when it happens, is the matchup that the Blues have against the Minnesota Wild. If I'm not mistaken, didn't the Blues win six or seven games against them last year? Pretty good. Yeah, I don't have the record in front of me, but really good. They really beat up on the Minnesota Wild, where it seems like they match up against this Blues team. And that's where it comes down to getting health back on your side. You're picking up points now. They're picking up points. You focus on these two Dallas Stars games, where if you think about it, you get Falcon Bozak back tonight, potentially get Braden Shen uh, not Braden Shen, potentially get Jordan Cairo back for Friday's game and Jordan Bennington. And then you're looking at next week when you have a couple of central division opponents where you get Bennington, Shen, Thomas, Husso back. You could be looking at a full roster by the end of December. By that first game in the Winter Classic, which no coincidence, they're taking on Minnesota for the first time. You could be looking at a full roster once again for this Blues
2: team. Yeah, and I'd throw a little caution in there. You just don't know with guys like uh, Kyrou. You hope, you know, because he didn't go on IR, it's it's not as much. You know, with, uh, with uh, Thomas, I reported the other day a, a hip injury. You know, they have to rest him. He's going to need some time. We don't know how long he's going to take. And then with uh, Billy huso you know, the injury, what we all think it could be, uh, you know, is tough for a goalie to come back from. So I, I think that uh, we'll throw a little caution in there. But nonetheless, they are getting guys back. And, hey, look at the bright side, Alex. Who's left to get COVID? There aren't, there aren't that many guys, right? <laughs>
1: I mean, that's very true, actually. You're at the point now where it's like, well, nobody else can get it. So, by the way, they went 7-1 and one against Minnesota last year. Yeah. And that one loss was an overtime loss. Well, and I
2: think you can... Uh, thank Mike Hoffman and, and putting him up on that number one power That's play very unit true. <laughs> for That's some of those wins. very
1: true. And uh, update uh, from Craig Berube. Scott Hernovich is out of tonight's game with an illness. It is non-COVID related. So... Yay! Yippee! That's good.
2: He's day that the today. First time they've been able to come out and say something is that a non-COVID related.
1: <laughs> I think that's the first time we've had an illness that's not COVID related. But uh, so no Scott Perunovic for the Blues, and let me double check. I don't know if it was officially confirmed that Bozak and Krug are Bozak and Falker. No, so it's not confirmed yet from Craig Berube. So we'll get you an update once that is confirmed. Coming up in 15 minutes or so, Jack Flaherty. Is he deserving of a contract extension this offseason? And if not, where the heck does this Cardinals team go? We'll get into that in just a bit. But coming up next, our NFL quick hitters after week 14 concluded last night here on BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN.
0: Giving you the picture, the real big St. Louis sports picture. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield studio on 101 ESPN.
1: Come in today, just gloat, and? gloat over the fact that T-Bone's Rams lost. And they can't even pick up a victory against the Arizona Cardinals. All of the moves that they make, and they can't do anything. And then Matt Stafford goes out and does that.
3: Showed up for a change. How about that? How about
1: OBJ showing up for a change?
3: OBJ's still a stud, apparently. <laughs>
1: are, are we sure about that? That Stafford throw was something. Stafford just, I don't know what to do with Stafford. Like, are you good? Are you not good? Do we believe you're a good quarterback?
3: He's good. It's just, is he a great quarterback?
1: I don't even think he's a good quarterback what sometimes. Was what was better, that throw or when his wife threw the nachos? Oh, when his wife threw the nachos. So Un, much better. She's got a better arm. Uncalled she for. has a better arm than that, Stafford. For. So the Rams pick up the victory last night, Monday Night Football against the Cardinals to wrap up Week 14, a 30-23 to 23 final score. Uh, as that one got entertaining, as the Cardinals score, kick an onside kick, retrieve the onside kick, and then that damn offensive lineman gets a, a holding call and then a false start and sets him back. They lose the game to the Rams. So let's start with this one then, boys. Have the Rams re-entered the conversation as contenders in the NFC? So with that victory, they are now 9-4. 9-4, and, four. Nine and four, second in the NFC
3: West. One game back of the Cardinals.
1: And two games up on the 49ers. Currently sitting in fifth place. In the playoffs. Playoff standings. So are we back
3: to the Rams being contenders? T Bone? I don't think so. I, what? I think they're I think they're close. This the, your Arizona, team. I know. And I got tagged on Twitter last night saying that you called you said they were gonna get blown out. Way to be a loyal fan. Touche, sir. Touche. But I just cannot buy into this one performance against one really good team against the on Cardinals. They played really well. I thought it was more of an off night on the Cardinals than it was anything else. Plus the Cardinals, it's weird. They're, I think they're three and three at home, yet they're seven and zero oh on the road, which is a very odd statistic to have. Don't like their home stands or their home fans. I guess not. It's all gonna come down to can not only is Matthew Stafford gonna be able to play like that again, but they established a run pretty well last night with Sonny Sony Michelle. I think he's and better he, than Daryl Henderson. I think he is too. And he's been he played well last week too. So I think it's gonna come down to can they continue to kind of stick to that identity of we're gonna run the ball, we're gonna establish it, and then we'll get into that play action game. Remember, when the Rams got away from that because Daryl Henderson couldn't gain five yards, then then they lose their identity and they struggle. I just don't know if they can contend with a team of, like, Tampa Bay. I know they beat Tampa Bay already this year, but Tampa Bay's playing really good football. I don't know if they can beat Green Bay. I don't know if they can beat Dallas. They just beat Arizona, but they also got destroyed by them earlier in the year, too. So I, I think they can somewhat contend, but I'm not going to say they would be a team that I'd say, yeah, put your money on them to win the NFC.
1: Here's the thing, though. They're still a team that I just don't know what they're going to do week to week. Like they That's do that last too. night without Jalen Ramsey.
3: And it, last night was really impressive because it was without Ramsey, without uh, another one of their depth corners. They were without two guys on the starting offensive line. Yeah. They were without Daryl Henderson. Like
1: to do all of that against a Cardinals team. But then your next game is at home against the Seahawks. I could see the Seahawks winning that game. I, I think the Rams have one more victory under their belt, and it's the Vikings. Their other three... Oh, I'm sorry, not the Vikings, the Ravens. The other 3, I don't know about.
2: So that's that's where I'm at with this one. Well, and to me, that's one of the biggest red flags in sports. When you don't know about a team yeah. week to week, and when you are without some guys, you can come out and play like that, but you can't play like that yeah. when when you're fully healthy. Yeah, to me, I think this is a team that can compete. We saw it happen last night, but you know, two and two in the division. I just don't see, even though they have that win over Tampa, that they can keep up with those types of teams.
1: Like, I, like I, if it's a team that I'm buying into, when they go into a week against an opponent, I sit there and say, you know, they could beat this opponent. If I look at it at the first glance and say, man, I think they, uh, the Seahawks can win, that tells me that I'm not all in on them being contenders.
3: How many teams can you say that, though, about this year in the NFL? Because I think that's an interesting question. Because Well, I could say about, about, about the Patriots. Is. See. I can say I'd it say about, about the Patriots. Patriots. I
1: can say it about the Chiefs. Despite the, the Chiefs' struggles, field. I look at a, an opponent and on paper, I'd say Kansas City can win the that Kansas game. Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah,
2: you don't have to say that. You know, BK on an island. He doesn't. I know. He won't hear you. I,
1: I, for some reason, I've taken over the, the the Chiefs' role since BK is out, and I don't like that about myself. But they continue to drag me
3: back in. Um, I think the other teams I could throw into that, and I know Arizona lost last night. I still throw them into this I would too. I think that was just a and, tough game and, for them last night.
1: And I know you night. can't do this because they're injured, but when at full health, I do that with the Tennessee Titans.
3: At
2: full health, at yeah, full health. Running back in the yeah, league, yeah, exactly. Way to go out on a limb there. What can I say? I think they can win this week. What right? can I say? I would
3: also throw Tampa I'll into this category. category. <laughs> Tampa and Green Bay. I See, think there's Tampa, probably six teams that I can. Tampa, five teams I can. A great say that about. example
1: is this past week on our on our one ESPN Pick'em challenge. I looked at the matchup between Tampa and Buffalo, and I seriously questioned if
3: Tampa could beat oh, Buffalo. I had no question. I thought they yeah. would beat Buffalo. I, I well, didn't have any faith that Josh Allen would beat let's them. Let's do this
2: then. Who's your favorite? Oh,
3: sorry, oh, go ahead, Jared.
2: I like how Tanner starts out. Well, how many teams do you feel comfortable that you can? Say can win each week, and then now we're up I to just like just listed like seven to of them. them. Yeah, half the league. Five.
1: I'm at five. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do this then. Who's your favorite in the NFC? Who is the favorite in the NFC right now? You mentioned Tampa Bay, t-bone They're in second place. Packers in first place in the NFC. Who's the favorite?
3: I think you got to look at Tampa Bay mostly because I just don't want to bet against Tom Brady. They they got a good defense. They're playing good football. They yeah. got a good defense. They can stop the run. That's about it. Yeah, well, with Tom Brady having an MVP caliber, that's all I need from the defense. So I think I would take Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucs. I thought about Green Bay. I just, I don't know. For some reason, I'm not 100% sold on them being able to beat Tampa Bay. I think it would be a very good close game, but I just feel like Tampa Bay could get the edge on them. And with Rodgers dealing with supposedly a broken toe, maybe there's something there.
1: Yeah, I think mine would be the Packers. I just... For some reason, there's something about this Packers team this season that I sit here and say, man, it just feels like this is the year. With everything that's going on with Rodgers, now with the toe situation, and then what could be his last year, and for the way that that team plays, win at full health. I know they're getting some guys back now, but... I think Green Bay would be my favorite. Sierra. Did you hear
2: that Rex Ryan bite? Oh, my way? God,
1: yes. And Ryan Clark, like, walking off stage <laughs> because he couldn't contain himself. Rex Ryan says, I know a little bit about toes. He says, I'm a toe expert when they were talking about Aaron Rodgers' toe. Yikes, yeah, yeah, Rex no, Ryan. I,
2: I go with uh, T-Bone on this one. I, I like Tampa Bay. Can't bet against Brady. And this the whole Green Bay thing. Good team, but I wish it would go away. And Cardinals, I like them. I think they can contend. I just don't know. Uh, against uh tampa bay i hate that narrative so much you can't bet against
3: tom brady but that's but that's the thing too is like i was looking at this uh last night and i was going okay i get these teams are probably fairly well matched up on paper but who's the quarterback that i trust to get it done exactly. in the biggest stage tom brady's there aaron Rodgers has done it in the past but tom brady's done it most like what with, with uh didn't Rodgers
1: do it last year though against tom brady it was just his defense couldn't hold the fort down that's true
3: Uh, And and you see the difference. I don't don't really remember. You see
1: the difference for me this year is the fact that I don't know if Tampa's defense can do what they did last year against Green Bay.
3: That's fair. But I I guess I just look at it and I've seen seven Super Bowl rings and I I go, yeah, that's it.
1: Like I said, I hate that narrative, but you have to go back to it. Um, It isn't a narrative, though, when it's fact. No, I know. Thanks, JR. (laughs) Jerk. Let's go to the AFC North. Everyone's favorite AFC North. Who do you think wins this? You got the Ravens sitting in first at eight and five. You have the Browns at seven and six, which apparently they have placed eight players on COVID protocol today. So that's not pretty yes. for them. The Blues are like, hold my beer. Yeah, we got more for you. Cincinnati Bengals in third at seven and six. And then you get the Steelers who I guess technically are still in it. but hey,
3: They're only one and a half games back with yeah. a tie there. Yeah, they, they ain't in this one. So who, who do you got
1: for the AFC North? T-Bone?
3: I think I'm going to stick with Baltimore still. I am Even very with concerned. the Lamar Jackson thing? Yeah, I I know, but I thought their backup played really well uh, over the weekend. Oh,
1: God, now he's a Tyrod Taylor fan.
3: No, Tyrod Taylor wasn't the backup. Who are you talking? Tyler, Tyrod, Ty, Tyler, baby? I don't <laughs> couldn't even his pronounce name. his name. <laughs> I don't remember who it was. Huntley, that's who it was. Thank you. Uh, Tyler Huntley. I thought he played really well in filling in for Lamar Jackson after he left the game with the injury. I am very curious, though, to see how Baltimore plays if Lamar Jackson is somewhat compromised. Like, if he can't run the ball as much because of his ankles bothering him, I feel like that takes away an aspect of their game. But he seems to have taken that next step of being able to uh, be an elite playmaker in the pocket and throwing the football I just think they're the better team. Cincinnati kind of rides that roller coaster. Pitts I'm with you. Pittsburgh to me just isn't in it. I don't even think Cleveland's really in it even though they just beat them. I can't get behind Baker Mayfield the way he's played this year.
2: Yeah, I read where it's it's just it's not a high ankle. How long are they looking for him? Yeah, it sounds like they're hopeful. Yeah, he they're saying start that they're week.
3: hoping that this week they said he just
1: tweaked it. So, but a tweaked ankle for Lamar Jackson is essentially like, eh, I don't know if you'll be able to use it the way you usually do.
3: Yeah. I, that's the thing for me is I just don't know how effective he be, he's been like their best rusher this year. So yeah. if he can't do that, do you really have a running
1: game? Here's the thing.
3: I, I I'm not I, I'm really not in on the
1: Ravens anymore, which I probably I mean I, I might be crazy in this one, but with this Browns stuff, like the Browns looked like a team that might have figured something out after this past week, but now putting eight guys on the COVID list, that's going to have an impact for their next matchup. Is it bad that I'm going with Cincinnati here? Yeah. I think so. I think it's really bad that I'm going with Cincinnati, but I think Cincinnati's the team that I would pick in the AFC North that comes out with it. Uh, I I don't know. Other than the fact that they have a high-powered offense, their defense is hit and miss. But I look at those other sides, and I'm like, are are their offenses going to be at the level that Cincinnati can perform? Because Kareem Hunt seems like he's going to be done for the rest of the season. If you don't have Lamar Jackson at 100%, I think I would go Cincinnati
3: Even their offense is kind of hit and miss. I mean, you look at them. Yeah, it is. Last week, they put up 23, which is decent in overtime. Week before, uh, they got 41 on the Steelers, but then you date back just a little bit, 16 against the Cleveland Browns. That's the reason I can't really buy into them winning the division is because I think there's just a little bit of consistency with the Ravens. I look at the Bengals and anything can happen.
2: So Alex didn't look at uh, Cincinnati's schedule before making that comment. The last three games of the season, you're at Broncos this week, then you are versus the Ravens and versus the Chiefs. So you do have two home games, but sounds like three wins to me. Formidable schedule there. Sounds
1: like three wins to me. (laughs) Is
3: it? Their schedule ends with four teams above 500.
1: Yeah, but look. But granted, it's the Broncos. I was going to say Broncos are on there. Broncos, I think, are actually going to be the toughest. They beat the, the Ravens earlier this season, didn't they?
3: Uh let's see Cincinnati beat Baltimore. No. Oh yeah, yeah, sorry, they killed him forty one seventeen on so, the road.
1: So the only one that I'm looking at that's that I'm wondering what it's going to be is the Chiefs game. And it's not more so because it's more so, is Kansas City going to just shut down that Cincinnati defense? Maybe I'm crazy. Probably am. He's Jeremy Rutherford. I'm Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendricks, and it's BKM Ferrario. Your time check 12 29. It's brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up in 15 minutes or so, we're going to get into the junk drawer. But next, Jack Flaherty. Is that the number one job for the Cardinals this offseason to get him locked up? And if not, where do they go from here? We'll get into that next year on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to more of it. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Mm-hmm.
1: Flaherty, the number one priority for the rest of this offseason for the Cardinals. With Tanner Hendrickson and Jeremy Rutherford, I'm Alex Ferrario. Yes, we know the Cardinals and baseball are still in a lockout. There's still nothing going on. T-Bone still cries every night because of this. It's okay. But when it gets back up. Is Jack Flaherty the number one focus? We've talked a lot about extensions in the offseason. BK wants Harrison Bader locked up for 10 years. Uh, we, we've mentioned Tyler O'Neill as the guy. You know, maybe Dylan Carlson as the guy who gets locked up. T-Bone, you and I even tried to, to push for a Dakota Hudson extension. Yeah, we did. But what if it, what if it's Jack Flaherty? What if Flaherty is the one that the Cardinals need to look after? You're coming off of a season where he was injured a majority of it, 15 games, Uh, In those games, had a 3.2 ERA. He really hasn't pitched a full season since 2019, and that was the year where he was in Cy Young conversations, uh, had the unreal run in the second half. He's had two seasons where he's thrown 150 or more innings. Is Jack Flaherty the guy that you're looking at? And if I'm not mistaken, T-Bone, his he's got what
3: two more years of arbitration? Yeah, this is year two of arbitration. So he's the had next year a, he's, a he's got projected
1: one? five mil this so year. So the next year he has one, and then he becomes a free agent. Correct. So you have basically two more years, including this year of control. Yes. Is this the priority for the Cardinals? Should this be the priority for the Cardinals? Because like it or not, people feel like he can't stay healthy. He doesn't have that ace stuff. He is your ace on your staff. And if you're not locking him up, what else are you going to do with this?
3: I don't know if he's the priority. He's definitely something that's kind of on the to-do list or at least check-in list of, okay, let's see what they're, what if at all Jack Flaherty's camp would be willing to talk about a contract extension. The thing is, though, is I'm not willing to hand him out a massive contract that's like a nine-year extension or something like that. I, I think if you're talking contract extension for Jack Flaherty, I was looking at his numbers in the office earlier. Even looking if
1: at- it's Even if it's a pretty sweet deal in terms of money if he wants more length than money which i think he wants both like i think he would want 30 over nine years yeah, i think
3: he
2: wants the money yeah
3: i maybe but i if i'm the cardinals i don't want to go too long on a deal and then i don't want to pay up too much you know they're trying to find that sweet spot of where it kind of fits into their books nicely the deal that i look at that they would probably try to target right now for an extension and i'm i'm telling you jack flirty not going to accept this is what Lance McCullers got from the Houston Astros. He got a five-year, I believe it was, uh, about 25 mil per year. Five by 85 is what I believe his contract was. Yeah, he ain't accepting that. But he's kind of the comp, in my opinion, for right now. Because you look at him, and he was... Uh, he came up at the same age as Jack Flaherty. You look at the numbers, and they kind of have the same quote-unquote similarity scores, according to baseball reference. Now, McCullers signed his contract extension at the age of 27, which is the same year that Jack Flaherty's going to hit free agency, but the numbers are fairly similar. So let's just say bump it up a little bit because Jack Flaherty's numbers are a little bit better than McCuller's, and honestly, I think Jack Flaherty's a better pitcher. If, I, if I'm the Cardinals, I wonder if the deal on the table that they would possibly offer and it'd be something that I would be willing to offer Jack Flaherty. Again, I don't think he would take it. would be five years by $100 million, which basically what? 20? Yeah. F- no, not 25
2: a year. No, 20. 20 do a year. 20. I just, when I say that he, you know, he wants the money, they all want the money. But what I'm saying is I think he's confident in himself that he's going to stay, you know, healthy mm-hmm. anything. And he believes, and I understand why he's that type of pitcher, and there isn't a need to take a five-year deal. You know, I don't think the—I know the Cardinals have tried to do that with a number of players, and you know, second base and pitchers are different. But you know, a Colton Wong type deal where you tried to get ahead of it a little bit—sure, would the Cardinals try to to get ahead of it and make that work in their favor in the future? Yeah, but I don't think that Jack Flaherty is a guy uh, who's going to do that. Here's my thing: talking about—is it too much of a risk? You know, because he has been injured. Who else you got? Yeah, like that, that's the biggest thing to me. You can talk about all the reasons why this might not be a good reason to sign him longer than five years, but who else are they going to put their money in to be the front of the end uh, rotation guy? Number
1: one. I'm glad you said that. Mike Claiborne was on with Carrick and Smallman this morning, and he posed that same question.
0: I don't know who that guy is right now. I, I think between now and the end of next year, a lot of things can, can take place. Uh, you know, you look at the roster, you say, "Well, I'm not. Sure, I would. I would be sure." if they're that that ace, but maybe it's Dakota Hudson, maybe it's a guy that we haven't seen pitch yet. And that's why I think we just have to kind of wait and see what's out there. One of the great things about the Cardinals is that they have invested a lot in the pitching when it comes to draft choices over the years. And I think that's what makes them competitive is the fact that they've always been able to draft good pitching, whether it's the starters, relievers, and I think they'll continue to do that. Of course,
1: it's Dakota Hudson. We all know it's Dakota Hudson. He's just waiting for his opportunity to be the ace. Okay. No, look, Clave's is spot on, and you're spot on, Jr. And you'd hate to, you'd hate to give this as the sole reason of this is why you have to lock him up because he is your ace. And a lot of people's rebuttal to that is well, he hasn't looked like an ace other than one season. Here's the thing, though: Is Dakota Hudson an ace? As much as I love the guy, I don't think he's going to get to that. Can Matthew Lebator be that? Maybe, but you're probably looking at three to four years from that with Matthew Liberatore taking that step. like You could see him in the bigs this year, maybe next year in the rotation, but it's not just going to click and you're all going to all of a sudden be an ace in the rotation for the Cardinals. So if you're looking at a three to four window without having that ace and you don't even know if any of these guys can get to it, and Flaherty walks, you're going to pay more to try and get a guy in free agency as an ace than you would to pay an internal option for you. And if you don't have that ace, if you have some guys where, you know, Hudson's peak is a number two, Matthew Levitore's peak is a number two, and then you got guys who filter in, does that keep the competitive window open? I don't know.
2: Yeah. And you touch on a a good question I want to elaborate on. You you say that, you know, people will look at Flaherty and say, well, is he that guy? The one thing that I've learned in covering professional sports, and obviously it's a different sport, hockey, um, is that, you know, People just think that you can go out and get this guy. And I try to look at things a lot of times through the general manager's eyes. And, you know, they're doing that work behind the scenes, whether it be via trade or via free agency. And a lot of times it's not going to work. So whereas you'd like this perfect situation, hey, if I'm going to put a bunch of money in this guy, I've got a somewhat of a guarantee that he's going to be that number one mm-hmm. for me. Sometimes you don't have that luxury. Sometimes you have to go into a situation and just say, hey, he looks like it. If he stays healthy, we've seen that he can be that and we don't have any other options and like you say Alex you know it's going to cost more to go out and get that guy some other avenue Um, so you know we've got to roll the dice a little bit here and and maybe you don't try to overpay but uh, I think you're gonna have to pony up to to put that guy on your team for the foreseeable future
1: yeah I mean there's two different roads that you can go with this I I mean do you want to be the Yankees where you're always searching for that ace and you go out and you spend the money on a guy and hope he can be that and Look, I haven't seen them win any World Series with Garrett Cole on the, on the, on the payroll. Um, or do you want to be like the Tampa Bay Rays, where you, you move on from a guy, but you have the next guy in the system? And the problem is, T Bone, you're not the Tampa Bay Rays in a situation where you have Blake Snell, an obvious ace, a Cy Young winner for you, but you say, you know what, we can move on from this guy because we have Tyler Glass now. I, I don't, at least for me right now, Matthew Libetour nor Dakota Hudson is Tyler Glass now for you.
3: I, I think you have the guy in the system, and I think it is Matthew Libertor. I, you think I, he's ready to be
1: the ace? No, not
3: no, not now. Or can and be not, the A's. Tw- Not by the end of next season either. But remember, we still got two years till Jack Flaherty is up, and I maybe the Cardinals would consider if they can't get a contract extension signed with him to trade him not this year but next when he heads into that final year of arbitration. But that's where it comes to the question of, okay, do they have that guy ready? My opinion, they don't. Now, if Libertor shows signs that he can be a solid number two and but it's going to be his first year in the big leagues, maybe you do it. I still wouldn't. But I think in two years, maybe Libertor's not all the way up to that ace role. But if you have two guys serving as a solid number two in Dakota Hudson and Matthew Libertor, then I don't think you really need an ace. Because I think if both those guys are solid twos and you expect the ceiling to be even higher for Matthew Libertor, which I think the Cardinals expect it to be, I expect I, I think the Cardinals expect Matthew Libertor to be the guy that gets the next kind of, given the handoff of the battalion of being the ace. Remember, it went from Chris Carpenter to Wainwright, now Wainwright to Flaherty. I think they believe that next pillar of this is going to be from Flaherty to Libertor. Will he be there by the time Flaherty hits free agency? Maybe not, but I think he'll be very close behind it because I think he's going to be a legitimate ace for the St. Louis Cardinals.
2: All that said, I think you guys are overlooking Wainwright still being that guy in two years. (laughs) Oh, you just had to throw that (laughs) out, didn't you? I mean, in all reality, he'll probably pitch. See, I think it's funny.
1: I think it's more so... I think it's more Yachty. You joke, but I think it's more Yachty than Ueno with two more years. T-Bone, you said something to me yesterday. You were reading that said the possibility next year of a Andrew Kisner and Ali Sanchez as a one-two punch for the Cardinals in their catching situation. Am I correct
3: on that? Yeah. So yesterday we had uh, Evan Stockton of the Memphis Redbirds on the day, Actually, with BK. Now, the reason I said that was because – it just depends on how ready Yvonne Herrera is and what steps he takes he's not in AAA. Ready to take over. If he's not ready, uh, Evan Stockton said Alex Sanchez had a really good year for the AAA Memphis Redbirds. Now, I'm not saying he's going to come up and be like the savior and replace Yadier Molina, but we saw him a little bit. He has some big league experience between the Cardinals and I believe the Mets organization. So if, if at the beginning of a year where you had Sanchez Kisner splitting while Herrera was still developing time, I expect Herrera to be ready. But it was just something that you know he said that, and I went, "Oh wow, yeah. I wonder if he's a guy that splits time with Kisner when Yachty retires." Look, not to be the if jerk, Herrera's not
1: ready. And I bring this up because Jr. joking around with Wayno two more years joking. being in the system. Uh, that's true; it's not joking. In all reality, give me two more years of Yachty or Molina if I have to go through Ali Sanchez and Andrew Kisner next year.
3: Whoa, sorry. Love I'm Kiz. I'm sorry.
1: That's fine. I love Kiz. Maybe not so oh, much on Sanchez. Boys. We'll stick with Yachty. He's Jeremy Rutherford. He's Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Alex Ferrario. Coming up in 15 minutes, Jamie Rivers threw a defenseman's name out there yesterday that I kind of pushed off yesterday. Maybe I need to be, go back to look at this name for the Blues to acquire him this season. We'll get into that. But coming up next, we got the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN.
0: Let's open it up: a junk drawer with BK and Ferrario.
1: the defenseman conversation because there's a name Jamie Rivers brought up that the Blues could potentially trade for that I kind of pushed away yesterday we're going to touch on him and a couple of other options coming up in our next segment but now we dive into the junk drawer with Jeremy Rutherford and Tanner Hendricks and Alex Ferrario fellas it's the holiday season 11 days away Do we
3: need Christmas music no
1: we don't need oh. any damn Christmas music I'm actually going to ruin your holiday season are either of you guys you can't shock, ruin it. watch watch me are either of you guys real or fake trees well, you're not fake. anything because you don't no, 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 have anything I got in your a place. Tree. I got a tree. You got a tree? Yeah. How'd you afford a tree? Did you steal something no, no, from somebody's house? This is house? one I
3: had from my house, or from home, sorry. Did you steal
1: from your grandparents? Just-
2: Okay, so he's fake. JR, real fake? Uh, I am absolutely fake. Uh, just like anything in life, I like fake. Um, Amen. Amen. But uh, no, I had a real tree several years ago and it was. It just hit T bone There were needles everywhere oh, yeah. for three more months. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was not happening again. Needles everywhere and then sap
1: all over the floor and it stuck and it was a nightmare. So I'm fake as well We did real Our first year married And my wife and I said This is never happening again I hated everything about it Well it's about to get worse With this one So there was a story From South Africa yesterday Where a homeowner Went out and cut down their tree Brought it home Set it up Decorated it Had it in their house He and the kids Were enjoying it And then they started To hear some rustling Going on in the tree oh Saw a couple of ornaments move They're like What the hell is going on <laughs> Yeah it was a A venomous boom Slang snake in their tree and they posted a youtube video of it i hate snakes hate everything about snakes like nothing i can't even watch videos for it i watched this video and this oh god this thing stuck its head out and started to wrap around the tree and then lunged at one of the kids i am not watching that video
2: (laughs) I, i just pulled it i gotta turn it off that right there I'm done with Christmas. Now now all these years I've been telling people I don't like the needles. I don't care about the no. needles anymore. Put needles all put over needles, the carpet. Put
1: sap everywhere. I don't care as long as there's not a snake involved. That is awful. I've heard so many horror snake stories of them coming up out of the toilet. I flush a toilet anytime I use it.
2: Anywhere.
3: Well, I'm glad.
2: Do you... Sit sit t- I'm, I'm talking pre, pre-flush. Oh, wow. Do you like... Sit up midway through and take a peek, just to make no, sure. i kind of looking down <laughs> midway
1: through to make sure, but like it is, it, and that happened. I don't even remember where it happened at, but it happened somewhere in Europe where the snake came up out of the toil- toilet and bit someone in
2: the in the no no spot. But, like, that puts fear in me. Now, every time I see a Christmas tree, real or fake, I'm out. Did I tell you a time? He might be listening. Uh, my good brother, Sean, uh, he he was living with us for a couple years, and he knows that I hate snakes, right? So what does he do? He goes into our office and changes the screensaver to this massive snake literally biting a guy in the face, like the top of his of his mouth, whatever oh you want my to call God. it, is on his head, and it's underneath. And so you know how it is when you go into a office, you sit down, you, you know, Get in the chair, you grab the mouse, I touch the mouse, you know, that turns the screen on, all of a sudden I'm staring at a guy being bitten in the Get face the hell no out of you! Yeah, your... so we kicked him out. You know, was, that's
1: smart. Yeah. Don't look at that stuff on yeah. the computer. I saw something too where a snake came up underneath a car. A car was parked in big weeds, and the snake came up underneath and pushed its way through. And while the guy was driving, the snake's head starts coming up underneath, like next to the brakes and the
3: pedals. I'm I'm glad I haven't had one of those stories. I've had Two real close encounters with him. once was the, just walking in the front yard. I nearly stepped on one and I stepped and I saw something moving. I looked, he was there. And the other one was one time I, our dog was outside and I saw him like jumping around. dude I was like, what the heck's he doing? I go out there and there's a snake, him just lunging at the dog and the dog's avoiding him. Other than
1: in that, that though, sense, the dog is snake food and I have to move on. But in
2: your no, story. I,
3: you
1: are, wow. I, I'm sorry. It's either me or the dog, and it's gonna be the dog.
2: In your story, though, that's a cool ornament, right? <laughs> no, it's. He I moves. mean, maybe if you like chop yeah, its head off, then it's there
1: for forever. No. Yeah, can you imagine opening up Christmas presents one morning? Oh, mommy, what did you get me? And there's a ah, snake! <laughs> I'm out on Fine. this one. As Samuel L. Jackson Fine. once said, I'm done with these mother blanking snakes on this mother blanking Christmas tree. Timo, what do you got today in the junk drawer? Well,
3: I wasn't going to go here, but I had this one ready because you brought up Christmas and tried to ruin it for us. So I'll, I'll bring up the cheer. I'll oh, bring God. the cheer here back.
2: Here we go. Here we go. Good boy. How about start a, singing a song?
3: A couple in Germany set the record. World record with the with their Christmas display. They had over 400 Christmas trees in their house and over 10,000 ornaments on display. Now in that, their house? That is the Christmas spirit. How big is
1: their house? Really?
3: I don't know how big their house is, but over 400 trees. And they're all different, too. You've got some that are just kind of the... I don't know if they're real or fake, but they've got the green. They've got the ones that are like the bright blue already. It, it's fantastic. You just
2: have to touch them to see if they're real or fake. Yeah. Yeah, or just ask the, the husband. lights.
1: Because he's, he's the one that... You know, he probably went and
2: got it out of the garage
3: Yeah, yeah
2: I've told you guys that I live in Jefferson County You live, well you're not in Juddco anymore Yeah, it is Jefferson County So years ago we lived in this house And the house next door had the Christmas lights up year round And we're like, you know, what's going on here? So this is June, it's like 90 degrees outside And my (laughs) wife says, hey, they're taking their Christmas lights down And I'm like, hallelujah, thank God So here's what happens They took him down painted their porch, and the paint was barely dry yet, and they were throwing them back up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god.
3: Honestly, I respect it because, like, I got my Christmas stuff up at my place. I kind of don't want to take it down, and I'm the only one who sees it, so... Screw you people that don't want you're, Christmas you're to be you're up You're that all year person, around. aren't
1: you? You're the oh, person that puts you. a trash bag I've, over the Christmas tree and says, I oh, will bring it out next year.
3: I've pretty much... I've... Saves time. I've pretty much told you that I've Gonna listen to Christmas music to the end of January, and then I'm starting once we get to uh July 25th, when we're six months away, or June 25th. Sharon me.
1: texted in and said, "You guys are pretty w- are wussies against hey. something that has no legs or arms. Grow a pair, Sharon, Sharon. You find me a man other than Jamie Rivers who likes snakes.
3: Well, okay, like snakes, yes. But Sharon, I just want to let you know, unlike ferrario who was feeding the dog to the snake, I went around, I grabbed, picked up the dog, brought him in, went and got a break and then just chopped his head off there so unlike Ferrari who would have ran
1: dude pita's probably listening easy I on don't that. think
3: they're protected by uh yeah. Yeah. and that it, ain't that pet and
1: that right there is why t-bone is called the chick magnet jr because he'll defend <laughs> dogs against snakes yeah.
3: Give me a call at six.
1: Oh. <laughs> With Tanner Hendricks, is that how you're going to pick up dates? Talking about saving dogs on the air?
3: Yeah, and I'll just throw out the number. Whatever
1: works. He's Tanner Hendricks, and he's Jeremy Rutherford. I'm Alex Ferrario. Blues defenseman. we've talked about them probably struggling to find a trade to bring somebody in, but are there a couple of names out there that should be talked about? Jamie Rivers brought one up yesterday. We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN.
4: I sat on a toilet, and nope.
0: a black bear Eat my anus. they are St Louis it's BK and Ferrario live from the Car shield studio on 101 ESPN.
1: I think that the one piece that's missing for the St Louis blues in order to take that big step forward and to be a serious contender is that
0: top four left-handed shot D I finally found the player isolated the player is going to be the guy Ben Sherratt He's 30 years old. He's a left handed shot. He's 6'3, 230. He loves to throw the body around out there. He was a big part of the Canadians
1: in their Stanley Cup run last year to the finals. So that's Jamie Rivers from the fast lane yesterday talking about that defenseman that the Blues need. And he named him Ben Sherratt with Jeremy Rutherford and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Alex Ferrario. It is Became Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. It's no. Surprise that the Blues need help defensively. No surprise that they're looking for a top four defenseman. And we brought up Ben Sherratt's name yesterday, T-Bone, and I kind of said, eh, yeah, you could trade for him, but...
3: Uh, you said it wasn't even worth your time.
1: No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I said, essentially, what you're getting is you're getting a Marco Scandella. I think Ben Sherat is Marco Scandella when Marco Scandella is at his best. And I know a lot of people's response to that would be, well, Marco Scandella doesn't seem to be at his best very often for this Blues team. But let's talk about him, JR. Ben Sherat. You got the Montreal Canadiens defenseman. He has a modified no trade clause. He's got $3.5 million, and then he is a UFA this, this season. And according to Cap Friendly, he plays the left and right side of defense.
2: Well, in chatting with uh, my colleague at the Athletic, Arpon Basu, he covers the Montreal Canadiens. He says that Sherat uh, has been for sure their best defenseman and maybe their best player. Uh, you know, you're talking about a Montreal Canadiens team that struggled, so that's like me saying I'm the skinniest guy at the Weight Watchers meeting, but <laughs> they've, uh, you know, he's a guy who can help them, as Rivers mentioned. He's he's a guy with some size. He's a guy with, uh, what we say, one year, this uh, year left with a $3.5 million mm-hmm. on the contract. Perhaps that could fit. The thing is what's he going to cost and arpon seems to think and probably rightly so alex is that schrott uh, would cost a first round pick i mean montreal is going to have to do a lot of things they've got new management coming in they're going to try to get things uh, fixed as quick as possible and, you know, they're going to want first-round picks, so I don't think that's far off. Would Doug Armstrong be willing to trade a first-round pick to bring in that defenseman we've been talking about all season?
1: Yeah, Montreal's going to need picks, and I can guarantee you they're going to want a first-round pick because they don't have their first-round pick. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes, they have the Carolina Hurricanes' first-round pick, uh, but they traded their first-round pick away September 4th, 2021. I forgot who they traded that to, uh, but whoever that team is, they're looking pretty right now um, with, with that first-round pick. Look... Ben Sherratt, the the part of the part of this that I like is the fact that he is familiar with the central division. He spent his first start to, or his start in the NHL career in his first what was it 6 7 seasons he played with the Winnipeg, Winnipeg Jets. So he's familiar with the central, he knows how to play in the Western Conference. That's a perk. And if you look at his numbers from his time when he was with Winnipeg, he had one season where he was a minus and he was a top four defenseman for them. That's a good position to be in. The problem is, even last year with Montreal, and Montreal was a good team last year. They went to the Stanley Cup final. He was a minus 16 in that season for the Montreal Canadiens in 41 games. So
3: That's a team stat.
1: It is a team stat, according to a lot of people here on BK and Ferrario. So you look at it two different ways. Here's the bigger issue. I'm not okay giving up a first-round pick if I'm Doug Armstrong. Um, And I know it's a pick, and I know... You know, you can't keep all of these prospects, so trade them if you have the opportunity to. I don't know if Ben Sherrod is worth a first-round pick, especially in this upcoming draft, JR, where you don't have a second-round pick. You had a first-round pick the year prior, but the two previous years to that, you had no first-round picks. And if you look at the Blues' depth right now, well, you're seeing it in action. Forward, they have a lot of guys. Defense they have one guy and it's Scott Pernovich. Beyond him, there's not a whole lot.
2: Yeah, not a lot of guys in the pop pipeline in terms of those, you know, premier prospects coming up. We've seen Thomas come up, we've seen Kairu come up. Uh, you know, you've you've got a couple Nikita uh, Alexandrov, you know, looks like he could be a player in the NHL. But you know, otherwise, Alex, uh, you've got a lot of these depth guys who are coming up and doing a great job. Look, the Blues wouldn't be where they're at without the Dakota Joshuas, and and now you're going to see uh, Torbchenko tonight. Some of these guys coming up helping out, but you know, not what you're going to get out of a first round pick. So the question to me becomes: When you talk about giving up a first round pick. You know, do you think that this is the year? You know, if you're going to make a run, you think this is the year, then then you consider it. But if not, then I don't think you make that move. Now, listen, tying this into the conversation we had earlier in the in the show about having Krug and Perinovich in your uh, top four, top six, you know, for the foreseeable future. Uh, you know, we I said that I think that is doable as long as they're on top of their game. So I don't want to contradict myself, but if you can have a Sharat. And I don't know that he'd be part of the future if he's coming in as, as a rental. I think that can help you. So, you know, I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth here. I think what the Blues have... Yeah, sit
1: on the fence, Chair. It's what we do here <laughs> on BK and Ferrario. I,
2: I think what the Blues have can work, but I think what bringing in either a Sherratt this year, maybe resign it, what it does is now you don't have to throw Perinovich into that top pair and say, yeah. hey, is this going to work? You, you don't have to force things when you can bring in a guy like
1: him. If you were to bring in Ben Sherratt, you got to figure out what you're doing with Marco Scandella because he's locked up for two more years at essentially the same price as Ben Sherratt. And if you're bringing in Sherratt, then Nico Mikel is going to become a third pairing guy, unless you're putting him in a trade. Scott Perunovich is a third pairing guy. I just think there's, if I'm going to spend a first round draft pick, and this is something we can get into as well in a bit, but I don't know what the trade pieces are for the blues, but let's stick here for a minute. If I'm going to trade a first round pick and I'm going to trade something from my possession to make a run, I just feel like it needs to be something that can have a bigger impact than a Ben Sherratt And maybe I'm just not looking at Ben Chirot as big of a player as I should be, but I'm looking at what the Blues were able to accomplish when they traded for Jay Bomeester. You brought a guy in, and I get it, he's a former first-round draft pick. You're not going to get something like that. First overall pick, I should say. He's a future Hall of Famer. You're not going to be able to accomplish that. But if you look around the NHL, and there's not a lot of guys But, you know, I'm looking at like a Mark Giordano from Seattle. I'm looking at, you know, I brought up to you during a commercial break, Jacob Chikrin from the Arizona Coyotes. If I'm going to make a trade, I want to make a trade for a guy who is on paper a top four defenseman rather than somebody you're trying to make a top four defenseman.
2: Yeah, a couple things here, though, and I see what you're saying. The only thing is you look at this Blues roster and when healthy, they've got depth up front. You know they've got the goaltender Bennington who signed under contract. Whether you're a believer or not a believer, that's who your guy is going into the playoffs. Where do the Blues need to improve, you know, it's defensively. And Doug Armstrong always says, you know, he's not looking to improve the team 15 percent with this deal or, or that deal. It's improve the team two percent, three percent. I think you do that with a Charot signing. But again, you know, is it worth a first round pick? It may not be. But look at this Blues, you know, kind of stable of what Doug Armstrong has at his disposal to make a deal. Look, they've got a lot of, you know, forwards when you start thinking about, you know, Logan Brown starting to play well and and some of these mm-hmm. other guys who are, who are playing this year and having an impact, you know, if you could package one of those types of guys, I'm not saying Brown, but one of those types of players and maybe a second round pick or, you know, something like that to get. Uh, Sherratt, does it make a lot more sense? Heck yeah, it does. But here's the bottom line. There's going to be a ton of competition for Sherratt. Yeah. So, you know, the second he calls Montreal and says, hey, I got this second-round pick and, you know, this third-line forward, it's just not going to do it.
1: That's why I think it's important to, to, to when you're talking about defensemen and acquiring somebody, you got to think outside the box. You can't go, oh, well, this is going to be the number one guy. This is who we're going to go for. Like, it's what they did with Marco Scandella. At the time, it was the uh, San Jose Sharks defenseman that was available. His name's slipping me right now. Uh, Dylan, yeah. Yeah, Brennan Dillon, and it was uh, Jake Muzzin. Those were the two guys that were the... High, or Alec Martinez. Alec Martinez was the one. Those were the highly-touted defensemen. Nobody even heard of Marco Scandell until Doug Armstrong pulled the deal off. That's what I think you have to accomplish. If You have to find somebody who's flying underneath the radar to where you have the pieces to make a desirable trade, and nobody expected that guy to get moved.
2: Yeah, and, and as I think about this big picture, like Doug always says, 35,000 feet, um, you know, you don't want to overpay for a guy who mm-hmm. isn't worth a first-rounder. But at the same time, what do we always talk about when we talk about the Blues? We talk about that championship window being open for a couple of years. Look, in, in four or five years, you're still going to have Shen, Falk, all these guys under contract, you know, a couple of them in their mid-30s. So I think that has to factor into Doug Armstrong's decision-making when he's saying, what should I pay to bring a guy in here? Well, you know, can Shre- come in and be that one 2% increase and and make you that much better and give you a chance to make a run? If it is, then maybe it it costs you something. Again, first-round pick seems a little high, but with the competition, that's what it's going to be. I
1: guess it's a matter of where you're at because... The way I look at it is, is the player that you're acquiring going to benefit you for the rest of this season more than what the future would of the position you're going to draft that first round pick in? Like, let's take a look at Jake Neighbors. Jake Neighbors selected, what was he, 26th overall? Or no, he was, yeah, 20. was he 26 overall? Yeah, 26 overall in 2020. Jake Neighbors, who was just named to the, the World Juniors team for Canada, looks like he's going to be a top six winger for this team in the future. To keep that pick or trade it for a Ben Sherratt, who is going to walk after this year, you can't keep him. Maybe he doesn't even fill the void for you to get you to a Stanley Cup championship. And I know you can't predict that, but that's the way I always evaluate it. Is it worth trading a first-round pick that could become a Jake Neighbors? for a guy who's going to be here for three months and maybe doesn't help you get yeah. to where you need to get to.
2: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great way to look at it. And by the way, I should say, when I say the Blues don't have a lot of premier prospects, Jake Neighbors is definitely in that category, but I just don't even consider the Blues trading him. He's going to be on the roster. You think he's going to be part of the future. You know, they're not moving that type of guy in that type of deal.
1: So let's talk about this real quick before we uh, before we get to a break, and we've we got a Ferrario 5 coming up, T-Bone. Oh, watch out now. What? Yeah, we got a Ferrario 5 for everyone. You notice how we haven't had a T-Bone 3, right? Well. You're lucky I didn't make it. Okay, that's true. Um, We talk so much about making the trades, Jr., but I don't think people talk enough about who they're trading. And when you look at this Blues team, everyone's going to go, oh, you trade Vladimir Tarasenko. Okay, well, that's not as easy as it seems because, one, he's making seven and a half mil, and, two, he has to approve where he's getting traded to. Who are the trade chips for this team this season? Because it no longer is Robert Thomas and Jordan Kyrou. It no longer, in my opinion, is... Scott Perunovic or Nico Mikula, and if you skip over those guys. And the minors, I mean, we're seeing them right now. Like, I don't think Dakota Joshua is going to garner you a, a first, a, four, a top four defenseman. Nathan Walker, as great as he's been, he's not getting you a top four defenseman. You don't have a whole lot of players in the minors that you can sit here and say, well, we could trade this guy and turn into a top four defenseman for us.
2: No, I don't think so. You know, I think the Blues are in a position, like you're saying, where it's either a guy who, let's say Shen, he's got the eight-year deal. You know, you're not going to move him probably even if you wanted to, and I, and I don't think they want to. And then you have these third and fourth line guys that aren't going to bring back much in return. They're worth more to you than they could be on the market. And then you look at the defensive core again, a lot of guys locked up, Tory Krug, Justin Falk, uh, Colton Pareko, eight years. And then after that, you know, it's either prospects or guys that, you know, what are you going to get for them? So I don't think they're, you look at this roster, too many trade chips. You know, that's where Doug Armstrong has to get creative, you know, like he does usually. And try to find something because, you know, they have delved into the free agent market, obviously, to, to help mm-hmm. this team uh, on occasion. Uh, but uh, it's going to be working through the draft and, and and then also making these deals is where he's done his most damage.
1: He's Jeremy Rutherford. I'm Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendricks. And in 15 minutes, we have our Bet It or Forget It segment. You send us scenarios over to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Coming up next, the Cardinals. There are going to be a need for a backup infielder that can play first and third base? And guess what? It would be good if he's a left-handed bat. Who are some of these options for the Cardinals? We'll get into that next year on 101 ESPN.
0: Giving you the picture, the real big St. Louis sports picture. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN.
1: Jerry Rutherford and Tanner Hendricks and Alex Ferrario. We'll get to our better it or forget it segment coming up next. But now, what are the Cardinals going to do with their depth? Is it really Juan Yepes and Nolan Gorman? I know, T Bone. They're Hall of Famers. Why wouldn't you let them do it?
3: Exactly. I'm glad you're finally there. But is
1: that where we are officially at now? Because for this team, when it looks, and I understand you're not going to be backing up Nolan Aronado and Paul Goldschmidt very often. Like those guys are going to be playing,
3: play four days a week. They'll
1: probably play seven days a week in the scenario that we're looking at right now. But you, you got to have some potential options there. And Juan Yapez, maybe he's the DH. Maybe he's playing first base on occasional days off for Paul Goldschmidt. Nolan Gorman seems to be headed to second base, if not the DH position for this team. So what are they going to do at first and third base? And frankly, Rick Hummel was talking about this in the uh, Cardinals chat that he did yesterday. And this was what R- Rick Hummel said. This is where I think a left-handed hitter like Colin Moran turned loose by Pittsburgh put an excellent career hitter at Busch Stadium could help. He can play first and third acceptably and hit with some power. Also, Brendan Donovan, who had big years at Memphis in the Arizona Fall League, could help depth-wise, and maybe Nolan Gorman if he is ready. But there is a big need for a qualified backup at first and third. The Cardinals thought Matt Carpenter could fill that role last year. He did not, of course, as the offensive stats showed.
3: Well, he hit 160. (laughs) What do you want
1: from him? I mean, yeah, I guess that I guess hit that's the ball true. One sixty, yeah. If you look at the numbers, the underlying numbers, according to BK, he actually it's hit the ball really well. All
3: about that exit velo. Baby. Is, is that
1: where we where we are at though with this team? Yeah, it just hits
3: it hard. Yeah. Uh, well,
1: that are we past the we need an everyday shortstop? We just need some bench bats. Is that what we've come to?
3: I think so, mostly because I haven't had optimism that most comments have made me feel uh, good inside about us getting a shortstop. But
1: even if it's not the the or shortstop. Bad. It, it, I mean, I felt like number 1B underneath getting the number 1 shortstop was getting a big-time bat to play DH, like a Castellanos, a Kyle Schwarber, one of those guys. That seems to have gone to the wayside. Now it really does seem like we're going somebody who can play, what, once every two weeks in a first or third base role for you?
3: Uh, yeah, and also a guy that can kind of come off the bench and provide a little bit of a... Um, would be the word, a little bit of pop, but also a guy that can come in and maybe play the matchups late. For example, let's say it's a guy that, not for Goldschmidt and Arnato of course, but let's say it's a guy that comes in, maybe you want Gorman to start the year in AAA. Let's use Colin Moran as an example. Do you maybe pinch hit for Tommy Edmund in a game or something like that? So just just something like that where you could pinch it late in the game with the matchups you have. Moran's probably a bad example because I don't think he can play second base, but that's probably something that they're looking at as someone to where they can platoon Maybe not platoon, but look for a matchup heavier. Uh, be Have matchups available to them more often than they did last
2: year. That would get you into Schoenfeld's top ten contenders. Yeah. You go out can there. come in and bat for Edmund.
1: <laughs> you go in, in there the and inning. say, hey, we need a pinch hitter who can hit for us in the seventh to move the runners over. To lay down the bunt. That's who we need.
3: Oh, that is a good idea. You
1: like that too much. I mean... Isn't that what Nolan Gorman and Juan Yapez are? Like, isn't that what people are expecting? The bench bats, the guys coming off of the bench, large nuke bar? Isn't that what these guys are supposed to be? Like, I thought I was told that the Cardinals offseason was going to be adding these pieces and then bringing in the depth. Now it's, we're going to add one piece, and then the depth is the rest of those additions. But who
2: were you told that by? Moselec or BK? No, not
1: Moselec. BK, probably. I was told that the Cardinals were going to improve and contend by Ali Marmol. World Series or bust for Wayno and Molina?
3: He'd pretty much say that, yeah. Steven Mattson,
1: a left-handed bench bat's not getting you there.
3: Whoa. Yeah, just well, we're going to win the division. You know what could get you there, though?
1: A shortstop. Well, that. A Ferrario 5 with the left-handed options if this is the way we're going to go. Ooh. Because I got five not, of not them a for three? You. Not a T-Bone 3? Not a T-Bone 3. I got five of them that are going to change your world, Jar. They're going to rock your world. T-Bone, hit the open.
0: You're listening to BK and Ferrario. It's time for the Ferrario 5, a top five list of very random things. So, Ferrario, give us your top five.
1: In all reality, I was kind of nodding off last night when I was putting this list together. Oh, great. Because, you know, I mean.
3: You, you probably put like a catcher on this
1: list. It's ba- ba- no, it's, in it's, infield. it's baseball. so it's a catcher? <laughs> we don't have those, T-Bone. No, I'm just like, it's hockey season and talking baseball during a lockout. What's hockey? So I'm not really sure where this one's going to go. But here we go. Number five, boys, as Dribble Cabrera. Oh. Switch hitter.
3: Play a little bit third.
1: Decent year last year. Not great. Doesn't really have the pop. Doesn't really have the batting average. Oh, then he could definitely fit the carp's roll. But he's a guy who makes contact. You like contact, don't you,
2: T-Bone?
3: Does he hit it hard?
2: He hits the ball hard. Not sure in Bush Stadium he hits the ball hard. So you were nodding off when you put this list again? It sounds like your head slammed and hit the counter. Hit it a couple times, actually.
1: That was the worst one out of all of these. I'm like, man, I'm not really sure how I feel about this one.
3: I actually don't mind his dribble Cabrera because he's actually defense and, and it's
1: not just third base I don't know if he could do first
3: he can play uh maybe know, maybe he, he can could, play second and third, short, I short know.
1: and second and on top of it if you need him at first you could probably put him there so he was number five he's not the one to get excited for you want to know the other one Too to late, get excited all, for no
3: I'm already excited
1: Kyle Seeger he's number four
3: he is like Matt Carpenter yeah
1: but he's got some freaking power to his game he had 35 home runs last year. You don't want 35 home runs and 100 RBIs?
3: Kyle Seeger hit 35 home runs last yeah. year? Yeah. Now
1: his batting, sure his, nope. oh, <laughs> his
3: batting average was 212. Nope. Oh, I'm
1: looking at I'm looking at Kyle. His batting average was two twelve. His on base percentage was two eighty-five. Sounds a little like Chris Davis of the Baltimore Orioles. But hey, you want bombs? He's
3: got bombs. My gosh, I can't believe he had 35 home runs last year. 212, T-Bone. I I really (laughs) thought you legitimately looked at Corey Seager.
2: No, at this point, you're dead asleep. Okay. Yeah,
1: Yeah, no, no. at this point, I'm dead asleep. Number three, it's everyone's favorite Millsy, Brad Brad Miller. Miller? Bring him back, Brad Miller.
3: We can't. We already had an obituary. No, yeah,
1: we did give him a... uh,
3: Kind of awkward.
1: It's not an obituary. It's a eulogy. I didn't write anything. I just spoke it into the atmosphere. Look, I mean, we had Brad Miller on BK and Ferrario. He was a fun person to talk to. He seems like he's a great clubhouse guy, and it matches the Cardinals' need. Great clubhouse guy. Uh,
3: he's, he can't be too much out there, though.
1: He had 20 home runs. He had a 774 OPS, an OPS plus of 107, so a little bit above average. But I like he, that. he gives you pop for a couple of familiar months. Familiar
3: with the organization, familiar with the ballpark, the way it plays. And if he gets hot, he's a guy that could play the DH spot like we saw in 2020 actually really like that
1: one. Number two on this list, I just did the platoon of Nolan Gorman and uh, Brennan Donovan because I, I think that is going to be one of your better options than the other guys on this list because if you are adding that bench bat, that's what these guys are going to play for you and maybe nolan gorman gets some time at third base maybe he becomes a super utility player for you he can play second third you can move him to first if you need him to i think that one is going to be one of your better options And
3: i can't remember who it was that wrote this but somebody wrote a couple days ago or maybe it was early last week that maybe nolan gorman becomes that impact bat for the st louis cardinals that they're looking for maybe not this year but next year because he has that much power he has 30 home run potential home or 30 home run power potential so I, I like that one you know i'm all about letting the young guys play final one and i'm gonna agree
1: with the hall of famer because frankly he's a hall of famer colin moran colin moran is the best option for you You know what his numbers are against the cardinals
3: he's hitting like 330 ain't he or is it he even better he's than a that
1: 291 batting average a 783 ops Seven home runs and 33 RBIs and at Bush Stadium. I was going to say, I think his numbers are really good at Bush. Yeah, let me pull it up. Bush Stadium, he's got a 323 batting average and 837 OPS and three home runs and 11 RBIs. If there's one option for me that's off of the bench that can play first and third, that is a power hitter, that matches your identity, that fits in your clubhouse, Colin Moran's the guy.
3: Yeah, I, I like Colin Moran. As you mentioned, his numbers there at Bush Stadium. I thought he was always a great player with Pittsburgh. Had a little bit of a down year. Pittsburgh, basically, don't read into them letting go of them. Don't go, oh, Pittsburgh let him go. They were terrible. He must stink. Now, nah, Pittsburgh is just trying to save money. Could have got so.
1: Tsu- Tsu- Sugio. Oh. He's really a left-handed bat.
3: He plays the outfield, though.
1: So that's my Ferrari 05. Five left-handed bad options that can fill the void of bench-slash-first-and-third bases. Drupal Cabrera, Kyle Seager, Brad
2: Miller. Waking up. Gorman. Waking up. Gorman. Then towards the end of the list. Then I'm like, let's get excited. And Colin Moran. A, puts his shoes away. Turns out the lights. Jared, how do you like today's Ferrari 05? I thought it was good. Real good. Just invigorating. Put some time into it. Yeah. Invigorating. And uh, hey, you know, you're, you're stealing from the Hall of Famer, uh, Kamish, You know He stole it from me. this is a best. big deal. Do you
3: think this was exciting? Just imagine if we did a T-bone three.
1: Someone said worst list so far this year. What are
3: you talking about? I've had so many more worst lists for
1: the Ferrari 05 than this one. We've all lived the Ferrari 5. Close to your worst lane. Some of them are brutal. In 15 minutes, we're going to cross things over with the fast lane coming up next, though. It's Bet It or Forget It. Send them over to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Jeremy Rutherford, Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Alex Ferrario. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN.
0: Vegas sets them up, and we're here to make the call. It's BK and Ferrario's Bet It or Forget It on 101 ESPN.
1: Bark? Did you just bark during my song? Yeah. Cool. God. What was worse, that or your gobble?
3: My gobble. Was your solid. gobble
1: was terrible. Terrible. You,
3: see? Like we bring it up still, and like I know what a gobble sounds like, but I just cannot no. figure out how to do it. It
1: was so bad, Jerry. We had him do a uh, turkey gobble like bef- the day before Thanksgiving. And we just had him do it spontaneously. We told him, like, Let it,
3: give us your turkey gobble. It was awful.
2: <laughs> and, like, you'd never done one in your life before? It was the first time? No.
3: I, like, no he I'm said sure he was I've great done it before. It. said he was great. like, now that we're all, the mics are on and the pressure's here, like, yeah. my mind is just blanking so on how to do it. So, basically,
1: you just told me that you're the best athlete of the group, but you can't handle pressure. Yeah. Okay, good. I think
2: he did mention that to my wife at the BK reception the other night. That he's the day? best athlete? The only athlete. The- yeah, he says he's the only athlete because he played tennis. Scholarship. I mean, we all saw him. BK dance. There's no way yeah. he's an
1: athlete. He posted a picture of him dancing. I was like, damn, BK, you even put it out there that, for the rest of the way, world to I'm see. I'm glad
3: he tweeted out that song because I couldn't remember what song it was, but th- that's the song that he just, what he tweeted out was the song name of when he just literally turned to me and went, guys, this is my jam and like went bouncing around towards the dance floor <laughs> with his arms right. flay- flailing in the Fed air. It
1: forget it. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michael Russo, Minnesota Wild beat writer for The Athletic, tweeting out that the Wild and Canes game has been postponed for more positive tests today. It's another Hurricanes game that has been postponed. And now that is. So the Calgary Flames had to postpone games. The Ottawa Senators postponed games. The Islanders have postponed games. And now the Canes have had a postpone games. It's four teams. Yeah, Better to no. forget it, JR. The Olympics don't happen.
2: Yeah, it's looking less and less likely. It really is. And, and I realize we're a little bit out still, but they're going to have to make a decision soon. But the NHL is going to look at it like we can't afford to go over there and have guys turn up positive and, and have further outbreaks. You can't do it. I mean, look what's happening, and they're staying in the States. I mean, yeah. just imagine uh, you go over there. And the other thing, the big part of this, too, is, is the players, Alex. I mean, they're not going to make any money, no paycheck, if they get COVID and can't play because they went to the Olympics players like Alex Petrangelo. They've already talked about it. Robin Leonard. He said, look, I'm not going Patrangelo uh, Petrangelo said, you know, it's, it's a tough decision to make. And then I think it was Connor McDavid said just super unsettling what's going on. So yeah. to me, it's looking less likely.
1: Yeah. I'm going to forget this one as well. Think of this, think of it this way. Look like for me personally, I want them to play in the Olympics because Great. I love NHL players in the Olympics. It's so entertaining, but not at the expense of taking away from the regular season. If let's just say a player I don't want to throw any names out because I don't want to bad juju on this. Let's just say a player on the blues roster tests positive on February 20th, the final week of the Olympics. And they're quarantined for five weeks. You know how many games that means they're going to miss? You you're essentially missing the entire month of March if you are stuck in China during quarantine, which means it's gonna take you a while to get back up to game speed. And if you look at March for the blues.
2: Quick math, 9, 12, 14 that's 18 games they would miss. Yeah. And then being off the ice in terms of with your teammates, you know, how, how long is it going to take you to come back from that? And Get some chemistry, back. Alex, we're not even bringing into the equation here that if they're canceling these games, postponing them, I should say, you know, they're going to have to make them up at some point. That's what that window is going to be used yeah. for. If they need to make up uh, these games.
1: Yeah. That's what somebody just texted. Said. What happens to the NHL schedule for those two week, two weeks, if they don't go to the Olympics, I think they give them a week or two off, but they'll make up games on that final week before uh, they start back up at the regular season. Um, Bet it or forget it, a wild card team makes the Super Bowl. T-Bone, bet it or forget it, wild card team makes the Super Bowl.
3: I'll bet it because I'll take the field, even though I do think that in the AFC, the Patriots and the Chiefs are probably the two favorites. And then the NFC, I like the top four that you got in Arizona, Dallas, Tampa, and Green Bay. I could see an AFC team just making a run. One of these wild cards, I mean, we're talking about in the AFC. Right now your wild cards are a 7-6 and six Bills team. There is, pulling up the standings here real yeah, quick. Yeah, so you got the Bills. Um, you, Colts and Browns. Yeah, Bills, Colts, or, Excuse Browns. me, Chargers. Chargers, Colts, oh, and okay. Bills.
1: And then you got the Rams, 49ers, and Washington football team and the NFC side.
3: So I could easily see a team like the Colts who play good defense could go on a run they're playing really good football right now the Chargers have a legitimate uh, future top five quarterback in my opinion than Justin Herbert if he gets hot and goes on a run I could see them getting into the uh, Super Bowl conversation Buffalo is a team that was a Super Bowl prediction heading into the year for a lot of people so if they get hot and they can kind of figure this out Maybe they can go on the run. So I'll take the field. I'll bet this. I could see a Super Bowl team getting to the Super Bowl.
2: I think you have to bet it, too, for the reason he mentioned it. It's the field. And what did we put together a list earlier of how many teams you're pretty confident can win yeah. on most weeks? What, Tanner headed up to about 17 by the yeah, time they're we done? Yeah, 19. The entire you know? league. Detroit
3: but, was on that list, too.
2: But, yeah, especially in the AFC, you look at a couple of those teams. Yeah, you have the Patriots, who, who you like, but I think there's other teams that could get on a run. So I say you bet that. Yeah, I'm
1: going to bet this one as well. I, I think the Patriots are going to be the one that's representing the AFC but it's so wide open, you never know. The NFC, I think that one is a little bit more clear cut to where a wildcard team will be difficult, but somebody's going to be representing uh, in that Super Bowl. Better to forget it, air comfort service, text line 65780. The Blues will use Logan Brown in a package to get a solid left handed D man before the deadline.
2: Better forget it. I'm going to forget it for this reason. I don't know, even though that uh, Logan Brown is playing well right now, that he's going to open up enough eyes. Look, he he went through waivers. Uh, he was on the trade market for over a year, and, and nobody went after him. Mm-hmm. The Blues have done a good job. They sent him down to Springfield. They worked on his skating. They worked on some other things, and he's confident. Looks like a good player now, but I don't think you're Doug Armstrong. You're able to call a team, hey, we like that. Top four defensemen playing 20 minutes a night, and we'll give you Logan Brown. I, I don't think so, so I'm going to have to forget that one. T-Bone?
3: Yeah, I'm I'm with JR. I don't know if he's opened up enough eyes in terms of being viewed as a guy that you would get in a trade package. I think he's opened up the eyes of the Blues now. I could see him kind of Wally Pipping someone that goes onto the trade market that we weren't talking about heading into the year like maybe a Clem Cost now is more expendable. Or maybe a James Neal, someone like that. I don't know if you'd get much for James Neal, but Clem Costin would be someone that I would say. So I would say, forget this. I don't think he's opened up enough eyes to be trade bait.
1: Yeah, I'm going to forget this one as well. I mean, you do have the, the, um, trying to think of the, the, the word I'm looking for. You do have the, the pull of he's an 11th overall draft pick where people, but like you said, Jr. he went through waivers, was on the trade block for an entire year. You traded for him for Zach Sanford in a third round draft pick. Not even a third round. It was a conditional pick, wasn't it? Conditional. So I, I don't see how he's, I mean, he could be a part of a package, but Logan Brown being the main part of the package, I don't see that being the reason that something like that gets done. Uh, better to forget it. 3 one, 4 Cardinals actually make a splash and get the desperately needed shortstop they desire. t I'll
3: forget that.
2: After, I... after the segment we just spent. He he can ask that question with 15 seconds left to go in this segment. We're we're gonna have plenty of time here. Yep, it's the way to go. I I
3: I'm gonna forget that one. I just don't. I'm not getting the vibes that they're gonna make that splash on the shortstop market. I'm starting to lose faith they're gonna sign the impact bat. Now when things open up and the rumor mill starts going again, then maybe I'll get that little that life of energy back into me. But right now, no, I'm gonna forget this. Forget about it
1: forget about it indeed all right better to forget alex Tor- Alexei toropchenko has an impact in tonight's game against Hat-trick. the dallas stars hat trick if he gets a. so i just saw this the blues have had 24 skaters score a goal this season it's tied with vegas for the most in the national hockey league yeah when you use that many players it's, it's gonna sweet. have when you're going through 40 different guys in a season through yeah. 27 games Hey, T-Bone, I saw your tweet about
2: the Nathan Walker hat trick. Did you do that pregame, after the first goal, after the I, second I goal? I think I did or? it after the
3: second. Or I already did it after the first period.
2: I tweeted out. It, so after two
3: goals. Yeah. Why don't I said you tell them
2: what you did the night prior
1: with Charlie Lindgren in
2: that? Shut up, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, what I, happened? He got a win. I think I saw some people you know, saying, uh, what'd they say about your, your... Oh, they were like, oh, you're, you're probably the guy that did? says that there's a no-hitter going on. Like, yeah, it, yeah.
1: <laughs> Jinx is real. I'm going to bet this one with Toropchenko. I think he has an impact. I-, I think the fact that he's playing with familiar line mates is going to benefit him. Now, I don't see him on the penalty kill. I don't see him on the power play. I think it's going to be even strength, but the way Joshua and Pekka have played, I could see Toropchenko making an impact tonight.
2: At this point, why say no? Like this yeah. season's been so weird with a number of players, and the guys coming up, Nathan Walker, Hattrick. You know, Pekka comes up, gets in a. I mean, yeah, Toropchenko. I'm not going all T-bone here. It's Saying so he's going to be the
1: next Tarasenko.
2: Yeah. So Tarasenko is going to get seven minutes, 14 seconds. I don't know. Give me four hits, and that's going to be well, the Look at this guy. Makes. To oh, a T. Uh-uh.
3: Mark that down. Seven, 14, four hits. <laughs> I'll bet this, too, and I'm going to take the step further. I'm going to, I don't know. I'm not going to predict ice time, but I'm going to go. Predict he, ice time. I'm going to go. He gets an assist tonight. I think he'll Ooh, get a point. Ticking up a point. That's, that's his impact, I think. That
1: was ballsy there, T-Bone. Better don't forget it, 636. BK is on the beach sipping strawberry daiquiris while his wife, Kara, is crushing way more masculine drinks (laughs) than him.
2: I can't say anything here I really can't like, Yeah you can't Oh no listen So there are times when uh, My wife will say Hey I want a beer And she, I go what do you want She goes ah grab me a bush beer Well I want like a pina colada But there's no way I'm walking back to the group With the bush beer for my wife and a pina colada I got
1: made fun of On the cruise that my wife and I Went on with some friends A couple of years ago Because I drank Mai Tais The entire cruise It's a <laughs> delicious drink
3: I, I bet you BK has uh, An old fashioned In his hand right now Really? That's my guess no. What really? That's his like favorite drink He's drinking water
2: no, he's not. Do, Recovering do we know what from that Kara's wedding? Drink of choices?
3: Um, it was at the wedding. Was it, was it at because the they, they had the specialty drinks? But I can't remember what it was. What it I saw was. it. Yeah. yeah, I forgot what that one was. It was. It was definitely tougher than. BK's. Did you? Did
1: you get Kara's
3: drink at the wedding? No, I did not. No, I went with the old fashioned, uh, Jack and Coke.
2: <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna forget it. I can't give him trouble. I just laid out how much I hate snakes earlier. So I'm the wuss yeah, on the appar- show. Here, and so. apparently,
1: that's all the wussies are—that the people that can't handle snakes. <laughs>
3: Well, that's a that's a fact. You you literally said you'd let the dog fend for itself.
1: <laughs> uh, final one before we cross things over with the fast lane: bet it or forget it. Charlie Lindgren will be the Blues' backup yeah. until Ville Huso returns. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's got to be uh, right. Well, that's what I don't understand. So you signed John Gillies to a contract, but he was emergency loan call up as well. So both guys are emergency call up. But the question is, do you have like and I know you can send one down and then bring them back up. But do you have the option to choose or does it have to be the one that was
2: called up first to emergency call up? Well, even if it's the first and again, I'm not going to pretend to know these rules because, you know, 18, there's so many of them. 18 years covering the blues. A lot of this has been a first for me as, as well. Uh, but even if you have to send the certain guy back because he was first, which I don't think that's the rule. Uh, you just call back up whoever you want. Like uh, if they need a goalie and Husso's not ready to go for a few weeks, then lingerings your guy.
1: Yeah, I, I'm going to bet this one as well. I mean, Charlie Lindgren's the guy for you. And I, I don't think, frankly, I was a little surprised they didn't go back to him in that Anaheim Ducks game. And I know why you didn't, because it's back to backs and you have John Gillies here. And you want to make sure Lindgren, you got two big games at Bennington's big game not coming back.
2: Dallas, you need him ready you for it. You need him, him ready for it. But I was
1: a little surprised they didn't use him there because I. I I didn't see the Montreal game because we were at BK's wedding, of course. But it didn't seem like he had a whole lot of pressure on him in that game. Yeah,
2: only what twenty-four shots. Yeah, yeah. But I probably needed the break. You know, understandably a lot on him, so. Step in and play three or four straight yeah. NHL games.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to bet this one. I think he's the backup until Ville Huso re- returns. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I'm going to bet it. I think he's the guy, guys. We're
3: going to have to have we're going to have four jerseys of four goalies. This Goalie year.
1: controversy, huh? Yeah. Well, Trent
3: be- for Charlie yeah. Lindgren, right? Yeah, we're not going to have a Bennington jersey. Remember, notice how I said four. Oh, John Gillies is in that four for you? Gillies is in that, Hofer, Puso, and uh, Lindgren. Yikes. Just T-bone throwing those hot takes on the
2: goal. And you know who I got a text from a couple days ago? Uh, all of a sudden, my phone beeps. I look at it. Uh, Kyle Conan, the e-bug. And he oh, says, nice. what's going on with the goalies? <laughs> if only he could have got in and picked up a victory. <laughs>
1: yeah. Kyle's just checking in on this he one. Goes,
2: this is insane. He's Jeremy Rutherford and Tanner Hendrickson.
1: I'm Alex Ferrario. We'll cross things over with the fast lane. Well, they will cross things over with the fast lane. I'm going to go get stuff together for pregame with Rivs next here on 101 ESPN.
0: Time now for the crossover on 101 ESPN.
2: Welcome back to BK and Ferrario. Alex uh, has stepped out. Jeremy Rutherford here, and we're doing the crossover with Fast Lane. See what's coming up next. Anthony Stalter getting situated here. Some Blues updates from earlier in the show. Alex, it looks like uh, Justin Falk, Tyler Bozak back from COVID. They'll be in the lineup. No Scott Perinovich. and I couldn't get t-bone to do it but he kept saying that uh, perinovich will miss the game tonight due to non-covid related illness i tried to get him pay, even offered to pay him 50 dollars to say won't be in the lineup tonight because of the turnover in the last game
4: oh you were trying to get t-bone to say that <laughs> yeah can you believe this <laughs> that's dogs? not good
3: you're trying to get t-bone in trouble Had it a been for more money i would have done
4: it tried to more money it's not a bad strategy you hold out for as much money as you can get yeah i i know what's up
2: He knew there was more show to go, so he waited. But now the offer's off the table, and we don't want to give... Pernovich a hard time, as you and Riv and BT have been saying the past couple days, you know, tough mistake there for a young player. It's going to be a good one, just like Riv said. Uh, coach just has to go to him and say, keep your head up, and he'll be fine, but not in the lineup tonight. Uh, Non-COVID-related illness, if you didn't hear, but the Blues are getting a few guys back, so that'll be good. It's n- nice to talk about Justin Falk and Tyler Bozak being
4: back. I mean, anybody coming back, any any regular coming back at this point is a is a huge benefit, JR, that's for sure. I mean, when you, when you look at the way that the Blues have kind of managed things who who deserves the most credit here
2: well I think uh, everybody first of all you know you look at what Armstrong and Kevin McDonald did to bring in a lot of those players that's not easy to do to, to get those good you know you say veteran I don't mean they're NHL veteran but they're AHL veteran type players you know the Nathan Walkers in the system to be ready and then you got Drew Bannister down there in Springfield doing a bang-up job you know with the coaching getting these guys prepared look they were in Utica last year they didn't even have a team with the Springfield Thunderbirds. So, you know, to get off to that uh, what were they 7-0 and two start at the beginning of the year, a lot of guys playing well. So when Doug Armstrong goes to call up a guy, you know, there's a lot to uh, to choose from. And then you, have you that talk chemistry, about chemistry, right?
4: You have that co- that cohesion.
2: Yeah, then you talk about here in St. Louis, Craig Berube, his coaching staff, they're putting the right guys in, they're pressing the right buttons. But ultimately, who gets the credit? The players got to play. And a lot of these guys are, 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 are kicking in. And, and now, you know, you start to get guys back, uh, Falk and, and Bozak, and soon you'll see uh, Bennington back, you would think, and, and perhaps David Perron. And two big games this week. I'm sure you guys will talk about it, but tonight in Dallas, then back home Friday against Dallas. This is a team that you're really competing with in the division.
4: Absolutely, yeah. So hopefully, like you said, you get some, you get some of these players back. Bennington, did you mention him? I'm, was... Well, he hasn't been officially recalled from that COVID list,
2: but you know, now is about when his time should be up. So you're looking at today, tomorrow, maybe you'll see him. Uh, I don't know if the team's going to skate tomorrow when they get back in St. Louis. Maybe we see Bennington skating on Thursday
4: with the team. So probably not starting again until next week. I don't
2: know. So Doug Armstrong said last week that if we didn't see him Tuesday, you might see him Friday. But at that point, he's kind of just speculating too, because yeah. you know he doesn't know exactly know. how he feels.
4: Yeah, that's the tough part about the about this virus right you don't know how you're going to react when you come back you don't know if you're going to have uh, the ability to jump right back in or if it's a conditioning problem or anything like that so it's something that they have to monitor rams surprised you at all last night well we needed them bad we needed them for oh, yeah. the for did you, guys,
3: our, did you guys end up winning? We
4: wound now? up winning. Nice. We wound up beating the Rizzuto show, so we we staved off elimination <laughs> for one more week, guys.
3: I uh, won't lie; I thought you guys were in trouble because I thought they were going to lose and not going to see the points that we
4: thought. Well, when you saw that Jalen Ramsey and Tyler Higby, more so Jalen Ramsey was going to miss the game. I mean, you you think about Jalen Ramsey going one on one with DeAndre Hopkins. Now you don't have him. You've you've got the the COVID protocols affecting some of their other players as well. And they went into Arizona. Now, they have had success against the Cardinals, not this year, because the Cardinals ran through them pretty good in Week uh, 4. Yeah. But they've had some success against Arizona. And it, you and I, I'm sure you see this in hockey as well, Jared, where you, you get teams that they just, for whatever reason, match up well yep. against others. The Rams match up really well against Arizona. The 49ers have issues with Seattle, and it doesn't matter if Seattle is, is struggling or not. Seattle Seattle seems to beat them. But am I surprised? Yeah, absolutely. I mean that that Cardinals team was was running through everybody. Kyler Murray comes back two weeks ago in Chicago. Looks like he doesn't miss a beat. Uh, Matthew Stafford was 0-17 against teams that were f- five or more games above five hundred. So in other words, really great teams like the Cardinals have been this year. Everything was stacked against the Rams, but they went in there and got the job done. I nice defensive to, effort.
2: I wanted to ask you something. I was going to ask Alex this earlier. Uh, Van Jefferson catches that uh, big pass, nice pass from Stafford, and uh, he's got the game ball after the game. So he, he goes in pretty cool scene. You know, he's hugging his dad, who's an assistant coach, the wide receivers coach on the Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And right at the end of that little hug, he gives him the game ball. So now you got the Cardinals assistant coach, the proud dad, taking that game ball in the locker room. What do you it's think cool. happened to that? You think the, uh, the head coach there, somebody else takes that thing and dumps you, it in the trash? You know, <laughs> well, you're a dad it, it,
4: you you treasure that right? right so that that's I'm sure that got home that got home with it with Sean Jefferson Sean Jefferson was a hell of a wide receiver and I actually was giving T-bone some, giving some trouble I've, I've seen Van Jefferson this this season drop some uh you know some of those 50-50 balls or some 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 of those passes where you get your hands on it and you know you absolutely have to bring that bring those down but I didn't realize I was Sean Jefferson's son Sean oh, Jefferson I was, I mean, really yeah, Patriot, yeah. Uh, Falcon. I mean, he he was a really good wide receiver back in the day. So that, that that's pretty cool. I like Van Jefferson a lot more now.
3: Oh, that that was the selling point for you? <laughs> not the need, long touchdown yesterday?
4: Well, we needed him there, too. So he catches the touchdown. Then I realize he's Sean Jefferson's son. So I'm all in on Van Jefferson now. I like it. So what do you got coming up? So we're going to talk plenty of blues throughout the course of the day. Obviously, Bozek and Fall coming back, like you mentioned. We'll talk to Joey Vitale about that we'll talk about what we're missing in baseball in terms of like what we had as kids compared to what how the game has changed and we got to get into last night's game because obviously it was, it, was, it was huge for our show yeah no bigger for you than the rams it seems like. <laughs> i think it was yes i think it was i think it was a bigger win for us than maybe what it means to the rams we'll 100% be tuned
2: in. Well, hey it was a fun 3 hours here t bone thanks for having me in today chris kerber i think at the controls tomorrow bk on a beach And Alex will be gone for a couple days. So we'll be tuned into the fast lane for BT, Anthony, and Riv coming up, breaking down uh, the Blues game tonight against Dallas. We'll see you tomorrow.
0: GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you 24-7 with supplies and solutions for every industry and access to product specialists ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines.